to the full 10 yards college football podcast and um, we're live you can see us this time instead of just hearing us um you can see a couple of people on the screen i'm joined by andy who's going to help uh, co-host this event for us but we're going to have a full 10 yards family mock draft we've got eight gms for you full first round with trades it's going to get spicy ladies and gentlemen um we we are really happy to be here um andy we've got a lot of uh, got a lot of drama to come Yes, mate. Loads to come. Um, some good trades. Some uh, some questionable trades were, were vetoed in the uh, in the pre <laughs> pre draft mock. Uh, so pre yeah pre pre draft mock. So yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to seeing what's uh, what's going on, and I'm looking forward to kind of seeing a couple of these different different picks that we've got, which are a bit outside the box. So yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. There's certainly some picks that you wouldn't say that are kind of maybe happen on the on the night, but like you say, it's kind of good to play around, even at this late stage, with some uh, potential solutions and potential scenarios for people. Like you say, a few picks that we might we might let the viewers and the listeners in on um, for these questionable trades that we had. Um, I'm sure people might be able to guess who one of the candidates was for one of those, but uh, <laughs> we'll leave that to the imagination. But yeah, I mean, we've got eight GMs on. Um, we won't bore you with the order and things like that. You'll pick it up as we go along, but we're basically picking for about four teams each. Um, controlling mainly the people that we are the teams that we support and there's also like a handful of others as well so let's just crack on straight through it and um, obviously number one jags up on the clock and let's bring in Raj let's bring in Raj for, to his pick afternoon guys or evening Hello, afternoon mate. so um, <laughs> with the first overall pick of the 2021 NFL draft the Jacksonville Jaguars select big surprise Trevor Lawrence best QB in the in the in the class uh probably the best quarterback to come out of the draft in the last 10 years can do it all size speed Jags Jags were tanking last year pretty much with the Jets and they managed to tank better than the Jets so it, it's a nailed on certainty that that Lawrence is going to be a Jaguar and there is nothing that's ever that's going to change that up until up until draft day so first overall Trevor Lawrence not a great deal to say on this one, is there? <laughs> in terms of like questioning and things like that, it's kind of it is a done deal, isn't it? You might as well be mocked up in the Jags uniform on our screen now instead of the Clemson uniform. It's the biggest, biggest shock ever that he's number one pick. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's going to be exciting with uh, Lawrence uh, going straight into uh, a new head coaching position with a Meyer there, and they've got some decent weapons with regards to DJ Chark. Uh, Diddy Westbrook and um, James Robertson, a thousand yard rusher as well. So he's not going into a bad situation. And um, yeah, looking forward to see what he can do at Jack Jacksonville. Any any sort of, um, do you think that the Jacksonville Jaguars will be kind of an upward trajectory? Do you think he'll make a massive difference in the, in the early stage of his career? Thing is, in that division, uh, Texans suck. Sorry, Texans fans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Straight in there, lost all the Texans. <laughs> yeah, but thank, but I just got to say how it is. Unfortunately, um, the Colts, Carson Wentz. We don't know how he's going to be in Indianapolis. Uh, the Titans, yeah, they're a solid playoff team. So the Jags have got a chance to be the second best team in that division with Trevor Lawrence. So, uh, yeah, I think he's got a, a really good chance to be, uh, to emulate something like what Justin Herbert did last year, to be honest. No, I don't know if he's that good. Oh, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't, don't dismiss Trevor Lawrence. That's what I'm going to say. No, absolutely not. This is, absolutely this, not. this is recorded, so we'll revisit it next year and then, <laughs> then we can rediscuss it. Everything, everything stays on the internet, doesn't it? But yeah, no, awesome, Raj. Um, yeah, like you say, not too much to say about that one. Maybe a few jokes knocking around just to keep you on the screen for a few seconds rather than just dismiss you straight away and move on. But obviously, we'll have you back uh, for your second team. Not, not too long away, actually, either. Good. See, see you guys later. 
Awesome. So, Jets, um, again, it feels like it's a little bit nailed on already, doesn't it? But, you know, we'll let you announce the pick anyway. Yeah, it does feel a bit nailed on, doesn't it? Even though maybe it shouldn't do. Um, Zach Wilson, so the quarterback out of BYU, um, you know, we kind of picked him up on the college podcast across the year. Um, really impressive season. Bit of a one-season wonder, which is like why I'm slightly nervous uh, about what he's going to do in the big leagues. But he's got it all. He's got the big arm. He's mobile outside the pocket. He extends plays well. Um, very accurate quarterback and, and throws with anticipation as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident that this is the Jets pick. Um, in the kind of draft guide, obviously, I've got um, I've got Justin Fields above him ranked. So, yeah, it's a difficult one because I, I think Wilson is a good fit for the New York media. I think he's got that kind of uh, stardust sort of going on. That's not that Fields doesn't. I just can see that you know that that's probably a, a safe pick, and you know that, that that's that's the way it looks like it's going from all the rumors and stuff that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Jets GM pretty much just told everyone didn't he, the other day. <laughs> he's not like hiding too much. Why do you think that they've decided to go that route? You know, obviously, you know, in our draft guide, we've got uh, Justin Fields as QB two. A whole bunch of other people, including I think the both of us, have got Justin Fields QB two as well. But the Jets see it another way. What, what do you think that's the reason for that? Is I half wonder if it's about like plugging and play starter sort of thing. I'm not saying that that's like you know, it, as we saw in an article from one of the new guys this week, that's not really a thing. But I, I wonder if they think that Fields needs a bit of time to sit behind an established veteran. They've let Darnold go. They haven't got really. Uh, an established veteran in there. I think they've, they've brought Brian Hoyer in for a visit today, but you don't really want to s- spend too much time starting him, do you? So I, I think Wilson's the kind of guy that's, that's able to learn very quickly. He's he's kind of bounced back from an injury earlier in his career and really kind of stepped up his game. So that, I reckon they're, they're kind of hoping with a full off, uh, full preseason and uh, and the kind of good offensive line that they seem to be building with people like Mackay Beckton, um, that he'll be able to stand in the pocket and do what he did for BYU. Absolutely. I'll finish off with the, well, the same question that I posed to Raj. Do you think that the Jets are going to be you know, markedly better because of Wilson, or do you think it's going to be notched down from what Raj was saying about uh, Trevor Lawrence and Jags? Uh, I can't see an immediate benefit. I think there's is more of a guy that you need to surround with with a full uh, arsenal of picks and stuff like that. So I think that they need a bit more on the offensive line. I've mentioned Beckton, but that still needs improving. So it'd uh, be good to see who they go with their second pick later in the draft, which I don't think is actually a tackle. But there you go. <laughs> I got, that's, I've, I've mocked for the Jets too many times this offseason. But yes, maybe they go that way in the second round. Then. So yeah, I think... Um, I think they need a few more weapons as well. Obviously, Denzel Mims is there, Jameson Crowder. Uh, they've got Corey Davis in the offseason. I mean, none of those guys really wow me. I like Crowder, but, you know, is he going to be, um, are any of those going to be like, you know, uh, better than the other kind of candidates in the AFC East? I'm, I'm not entirely sure that they are. Mm, absolutely one to watch for sure. As we've got down the bottom here, we've got the San Francisco 49ers on the clock. So we should bring in the himbo himself. Kieran comes onto the stage, introduce yourself. <laughs> How are you doing, my man? You okay? I'm here. <laughs> I'm good. And uh, disappointed because we're going to have to replace the most handsome man in football, Jimmy G. So with the third pick, the San Francisco 49ers select the next best quarterback available. It's Justin Fields, six foot three, 220 plus pounds. He's a big boy. He's got a big arm. He's athletic as all hell, kind of shades of Cam Newton in there if Cam Newton's arms worked. it It's just the <laughs> only sensible pick for the 49ers. And obviously, Jimmy G, the most handsome man in football, that's a tough reputation to live up to. But think if Justin Fields maybe gets a new cut, 
get some better fits going on. He could maybe challenge <laughs> Jimmy G for that role. But um, realistically, they just want a, a quarterback who can do everything. And this is a guy. He's got great weapons already going into that offense with guys like George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. He is not going to be short for lack of weapons. And potentially they sit him for the first year behind Jimmy G, let him learn, and then after one season he comes in, he could potentially tear up the league and be one of the next great quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Andy, do you want to take this one up, Shah? Kind of not yeah, dominate sure. <laughs> No, that's fine. I, I'm going to ask you the obvious question, Kieran. All the kind of uh, media reports have got Mac Jones going that way. I mean, like we're all in agreement, I think, on Mac Jones, as we'll see tonight. But um, like, why, why is Fields the kind of candidate to take that for, for Shanahan over, over Jones? He's just a better quarterback. Like, I, I don't think this... We, we all watch football. I don't think this needs to be explained, but Mac... Mac is so bad. Like, I know he did well at Alabama, but I could do well at Alabama when you have an absolute track team of receivers, when every guy on your squad is running a 4.2 and a 4.3. I could get the ball up there 30 yards and they do the rest. Podgy little Mac Jones, you know, I don't think... He, he has the chutzpah to be in an... Uh, I got the new mic, I'm not throwing the sound effects. He, I don't think he has um, the the star factor to be a, an NFL quarterback. Potentially a very, very good backup in the likes of... You know, I think he's better than a lot of backups out there, but I don't think he's a starter and I don't think he has the swagger and the star power to go out there and lead an offense. And... You know, Justin Fields is the only sensible pick to make at this point in the draft. I mean, um, you've been saying as well, mate, that um, that Fields is the typical kind of uh, Ohio State quarterback, not going to make it in the big leagues and stuff here. So, so I mean, like, are you actually, have you changed your opinion there? Do you think that he's actually going to be a long-term success or is it kind of a couple of seasons and he'll be a you know, career backup sort of guy? I put too much stock in the Madden curse, uh, so I think it's maybe time to stop believing the OSU curse. But if you compare him to the last few OSU quarterbacks that got drafted, he has a lot of things that they don't. He has more confidence. He has a better work ethic. He's not going to be going to strip clubs without a mask when he's around an immunocompromised coach. He has the intangibles and the physical ability to be a playmaker in the NFL, whether it's with his legs or with his arm. He's an incredible talent. So I think if you pick anyone other than Justin Fields as the third quarterback off the board, you should be fired out of a cannon and never let near an NFL GM room again. <laughs> I think that, that sums it up doesn't, nasty, doesn't it, Lee? I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got, not got too much else to add, mate. I mean, the, the comments are coming in there, and I think everyone's in agreement with you, my friend, that, that, that you know Matt Jones shouldn't be the pick. And like Andy alluded to, he's going to have a long wait to be called this evening. I feel like he's got a new haircut, he's got a new mic, and he's really feeling himself. I'm looking forward to having him back very, very soon. But yeah, thank you very much. And we've got the Atlanta Falcons on the clock. We'll see you very soon. <laughs> Didn't get <laughs> caught him off on the flex. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's me up on the clock with the Atlanta Falcons. And I've got to say, this was a tough decision. This was a really tough decision. I actually don't know what Atlanta are going to do here, to be honest with you. You know, they could go quarterback. I don't think they'll really want Matt Jones. I don't think that really fits. I think they'd be after fields, if not... So it was really to do with Kyle Pitts and Penisuel. I went for Penisuel. I've got a little thinking together that Arthur Smith, obviously the new head coach there, he's going to want to run the football. Now, 
what do you need? You need a good offensive line to do that. They don't have a Derek Henry. Maybe they'll target a running back in the second round. Maybe that's something that will come later on. I mean, running backs got on trees, right? So maybe you'll get that later on down the line. But you can build a wall, build an offensive line that's going to be able to facilitate that offense. Maybe not this year, but maybe next year. You know, I mean, Caleb, <laughs> Caleb McGarry is not good. You know, you might put Sewell on the right-hand side. Maybe he'll flip over to the left-hand side later on his career, as we've got on the screen there. People forget that this guy is 20 years old, and he's so, so good already. We've seen a few things come out this week about maturity concerns, things like that. And I'll ask you, what were you doing when you were 20? <laughs> you absolutely <laughs> wasn't mature, my friend. Right, it's a, that doesn't need to, doesn't need to be said on uh, on national <laughs> national Twitter. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I love the pack, love the pick. Uh, I'd have loved him to fall to the Dolphins at six, to be honest, uh, from my point of view. But I mean, are you kind of invested in Matt Ryan as the, as the starter for the next two years then with this pick? Is this about keeping him safe or is it about kind of laying the foundation for a, like a future, you know, Super Bowl contender when they, when they do take that quarterback? Yeah, I mean, Matt Ryan's not terrible, is he? And he's not that old. You know, we see, you know, Breeze, Brady, these, you know, Philip Rivers, they go to, you know, he's got a few years to go, I think, you know, and he's not terrible. He's not falling off a cliff. There is a school of thought, and I do definitely subscribe to this at times, that the Falcons shouldn't be picking number four very often. So maybe they're going to have to trade to up to get one than the next guy. But I just think this guy's so good. He's my number two player in the whole draft class. And I just think you're getting him at four. You need a good defensive line to run what Arthur Smith wants to do. It just makes a lot of sense. Although I was, like I say, deliberating a lot between him and Kyle Pitts because I think Julio, Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts are you know, a great trio to have. Um, but yeah, it's all about supporting Matt Ryan. I don't think I was you know, too, um, too much going towards Matt Jones for this pick, to be honest with you. Nice. And and my final question on this one then, I mean, this is the first player that's that's come up who's kind of had the season off, so to speak, or, or opted out. How big a kind of impact do you think that's going to have across the across the whole draft board? You, you know, um, GMs and stuff going to be impacted by that? Are they going to let people fall down the board because of that, do you think? They could do. It's going to be one of those, isn't it, where some people have one opinion on it and some people have another. I feel like because Saul performed pretty well in his pro day, I feel like it's backed up that he's not kind of been sat on. We've been talking on, on the podcast about people who are going to be sat on the couch playing pizza, uh, playing Xbox and eating pizza all year. It doesn't seem like he's been doing that, um, despite the maturity issues and things like that for the people bringing up now late in the draft process. Again, kind of makes me call into question. Um, but yeah, he's, he's performed. He's, he looks athletic. He's, you know, his tape's great. So yeah, maybe it will affect some people, especially if they had a bad pro day. But maybe it's going to be one of these things that have two schools of thought on that one. Yeah, for sure. That sounds sounds about right. And I think that brings up Ed for the first time as a full 10 yards contributor. How you doing, mate? I'm doing well. How are we doing? It's gone It's gone well so far. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not too bad. Not too you've, bad. You've completely made my decision for me, Lee, and I just want to thank you because I can do nothing <laughs> controversial now you've taken Pene Sewell because there is this big, big divide in Cincinnati Bengals Twitter between Pene Sewell and Jamar Chase. And you have made my you have made my pick so fabulously easy. <laughs> thank you very much. From the bottom of my heart. <laughs> You're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. So tell us about it. I mean, tell us how how he's going to fit in and make the Bengals much better. Well, I think I think the thing that we, we saw last year with Joe Burrow is that he was he was so good in his rookie season, especially on intermediate routes. He, he was really good. But the one thing that the Bengals offense really that was that explosive deep ball threat. 
Uh, and whilst we've got you know good receivers there, um, we obviously we've got T Higgins, a thirty third overall pick from last year. You've got Tyler Board, Jordan Tate, uh, you know AJ Green and John Ross were supposed to be those guys who go down the field and get it, and they just weren't. Uh, John Ross never has been. And AJ Green has kind of passed it now, sadly. So for me, this pick makes so much sense. And even if Pene Sewell was still on the board, it's say you taken Trey Lance or Carpets, although I would still have picked Jamar Chase, I think, because the chemistry he has with Joe Burrow. He's obviously excellent. He's so dominant downfield. I think my favorite stat about him is he has the most and um, 20 plus yard receptions by a college football receiver over the last two years. He only played one of them. <laughs> the guy is dominant. He was ripping up the SEC. And what I think makes him so special is the fact that he he was embarrassing AJ Terrell, Trevon Diggs. You know, th- these guys are gen- genuine NFL starting cornerbacks, and he ripped them to shreds. It's a bit concerning that we haven't seen him this year, but I think given his combine performance and everything we saw in 2019, it just the guy's special. And I think Bengals fans will be hoping that this is our AJ Green replacement. This is our wide receiver one, one of the best in the league, Hall of Fame guy, hopefully moving forward, because AJ Green has meant so much to his franchise. And I think it'd be nice for Bengals fans to have that cornerstone because we've just lost Geno Atkins, Carla, Carlos Dunlap. Um, AJ Green, Giovanni Bernard, all in about the space of six months. And it's very tough for us. So I think this is a, this is a slam dunk pick. And I think it makes our offense considerably better. And I feel comfortable enough picking up an offensive lineman in round two. I'll probably take my developmental tackle there. I reckon I can get a starting guard round three or round four. So I think I'm comfortable enough with the offensive line stocks to take on Jamar Chase here. And hopefully he takes us to a whole new level. Awesome, man. Yeah, I made your um, your choice easy, but you've just upset about half of Bengals Twitter, as you mentioned. <laughs> I, I think it's easy enough now. Now I can just make the pick easily that I favour it. But no, I think I think it makes sense. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be displeased. And I think this is the, this is the silly thing, really. Is we're debating this. I am not going to be displeased if Penny Sewell's the pick. Come come April twenty. I would not be displeased whatsoever. I'm about sixty forty with it, really. But I, I just think that, that personal connection with Joe Burrow uh, and the fact that he could be that that final thing that makes this offense really go and be one of the top ten in the league. I think that's what sways it for me. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy with this slam dunk pick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely. Ed, I just want to keep you on just for a moment. Obviously, it's your it's your full ten yards debut. Talk to us about the piece that you put out about um, not calling people uh, pro-ready. Yeah, so, so, so my first piece, I really wanted to drill down one of the things I hate most about um, a, a draft, the draft discourse. And I know we all love being kind of Twitter scouts. We all do. And we love thinking this guy's going to be the best guy in the league. He can walk on day one. Everyone loves that, don't they? They love a day one starter. I just, in my piece, I can't talk about why it's kind of stupid because – Firstly, no one is a guaranteed day one starter. I mean, look at Andrew Thomas, for example, the most pro-ready of all of these four tackles taken by the Giants. He's definitely the least pro-ready in the end, as we saw. Maybe that situation. Um, and I thought he was the fourth talent, most talented one, Jeff Okuda. Obviously went to an awful scheme, but he clearly wasn't pro-ready. I, I just think the discourse around it is very silly. Firstly, because... You don't get many genuinely great first round, you know, for year one starters in the NFL. It's just not how it works. And secondly, I don't really care about how good a player is going to be in year one, unless I'm like a really complete team. Like if I'm the Bucks, I'm thinking, okay, well, we need to replace Antonio Brown. I'm going to go get a stud receiver right here. He's going to make an impact year one. Fine. But any other situation, I'm thinking, 
Year two, year three, what is this guy's ceiling? Uh, it's a thing with quarterbacks. It's why just taking Justin Fields or Trey Lance over Mac Jones is, is just such an obvious one for me. Because I just think it's it's really important that we look at the high-end guys because no one's guaranteed to work, maybe apart from carpets in this draft. No one is. So take the guy with the highest ceiling and just accept that maybe there'll be a couple of speed bumps because you're... The, the risk reward is obviously higher, but you get much higher reward. And there is no guarantee, whoever you pick, that they will have a great rookie season. So, yeah, that, that's one thing I, I dislike. And that's yeah, that's, that's something that's going to come up a lot with offensive linemen in round two. And we're going to have a lot of fun with that when someone's favourite pro round two lineman gets absolutely slaughtered at some point in 2021. <laughs> it's going to be loads of fun. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Yeah, so if you, if you like the sound of that, go over to fullsignyards.com, go into the college section, look out for Ed's work. It was a great article, really impressive article. And yeah, I'll surely get some conversation going. But Ed, yeah, great to have you. And um, we'll surely have you back very, very soon for your next pick. Sounds- so we've got Andy. Andy, you're on the clock with the Dolphins. You won the war between you and Raj uh, this time. And uh, yeah, number six. Take it away. Got to, be, got to be in there quick to get before Raj in these, uh, these times. Um yeah, I, I'm going to go for a guy that's probably going to annoy a, a few people. And and after the kind of recent debate on Dolphins Twitter, it's either Chase or Pitts. I'm not going to go for either of those guys. I'm going to stick with Devonta Smith, who was the early favourite of Dolphins Twitter uh, just around the turn of the year. Obviously, come off a Heisman uh, trophy winning season. Doesn't mean anything at the next level. But what I do think matters for, for the Dolphins and for Brian Flores is that connection that he's going to have with Tua. Um a lot of weird discourse around Tua not being the guy in Miami despite finishing six and three last season. Uh, best way to, to put that to bed is to give him receivers which he's happy, familiar with, and he's going to throw the ball to. They're going to they're going to get wide open. Great route runner uh, in Smith. We've obviously brought in Will Fuller as well to stretch the field, and you've got Devonta uh, Devonta Parker as the uh, possession guy. So yeah, I, I think I think Smith's the, the guy here. I think that it just makes perfect sense. We've traded back up from twelve. Um, if we were, if we really wanted to take Pitts or even Chase, we could have sat at three, got our guy. I think the Dolphins want to get either Waddle or Smith, and they're, they're confident that one of those guys are going to be sat there at, at six. That's the reason they've gone back up to that pick. It's quite deliberately above the Lions, uh, who could also be in the kind of give Jared Goff a, a receiver sort of uh, territory. So, yeah, perfect, perfect fit for me, perfect fit with Tua, and, uh, and let's roll, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all we often hear analysts say with your wide receivers, you want to build like a basketball team, right? So you've got like a nice mixture. Haven't you? You've got some deep field guys, you've got route runner, you've got a possession guy, you've got Preston Williams, who's like your centre and things like that. If we're talking basketball terms, and it's that two connection as well, isn't it? And it just doesn't it doesn't go away, does it? After one year, you know, he's going to come in more pro ready than he was than if he came out last year or if he was able to come out last year. And you know, you should be able to reap the benefits. That's it, and I think just I think teams will be like a little bit scared off by um, by the rugs pick from the Raiders last year. Um, I think like I, I think teams might not rush to take Waddle above Smith um, based on the kind of Judy and uh, and rugs sort of not really performing uh, in their rookie season. Um, you know that's the kind of fan perception at least. So I, I like Smith. I think he's just ready to uh, he's ready to slot in, probably starting the slot for us with uh, Fuller and, and Parker either side of him. Um, and, and he's just going to be such a such a weapon for two and just just really make a difference because I think that's the thing that you know we, we should have been a playoff team at ten and six last year and the difference would have been if we'd actually had someone to throw to down the stretch 
I mean, Lynn Bowden was the was wide receiver one for a while, and just don't need to get into that situation again this year. <laughs> it's not going to get it done, is it? I'm That's really it. looking forward to um, the color coordinators, uh, color commentators. Sorry, calling him the Slim Reaper as well. I'm loving that nickname. Yeah, that, that feels a bit Miami, a bit, a bit of bizarre, <laughs> doesn't it? That, that feels. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I'm just getting in my ear. Actually, there has been a trade. The Detroit Lions no longer picking at seven. And we're bringing back Raj, who is picking for... Well, I'll let him reveal it, actually. Let him give the details of this trade that we've got in. Back again, making a big swing, my friend. I know. So uh, the Bears have rung the Lions and uh, offered the first and the second this year and the first and the second next year. So a big draft haul for the fourth-best quarterback in this draft, Trey Lance. Now, Andy Dalton, he's been in this league long enough to know he is not the answer. He will take you to... Eight and eight, or is this season eight and nine? Um, Pace and Nagy are on their final year. It's uh, go hard or go home mentality. So they've got to do all they can to get their quarterback. Uh, Trey Lance is the guy. Uh, I wrote an article uh, last week with regards to there are concerns with the fact of how many reps he's had as a college quarterback. And obviously, uh, that doesn't translate well into the NFL. Um, but if you're the if you're if you're the Bears, you have to go for it now. You've you've uh, retained uh, Alan Robinson. You still have uh, Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller. You've still got a decent running back in David Montgomery. Uh, and as we know, Andy Dalton it won't be the answer, even though they have publicly stated that he is QB one. Uh, basically, Nagy and, and Pace are asking for their P45s or whatever they call it in America um, <laughs> next year. So. Uh, that's the reason Trey Lance is quarterback for the future at Chicago. And we have to see as well, is Nagy the, uh, can he have one final opportunity to have that mobile quarterback? Obviously, Trubisky wasn't the answer. And Nagy coming from the KC coaching tree, uh, let's see if he, if he is that offensive wizard. Because he, he did win coach of the year a few years ago, remember? So he isn't a dud, so to speak. So let's let's give him one for more final chance. Yeah, definitely. I, I love the pick. I love the. I, I love Lance uh, in this sort of range. I don't think he's going to drop too far. Uh, he's got all the kind of um, all the raw talent. Has need to to go far. Um, for you then, Raj. I mean, you're talking about um, coming up to kind of one last chance for for the Bears coaching staff and stuff. How long before Lance would see the field in Chicago? I mean, doesn't doesn't feel like he's kind of ready to go yet. And but if they're really kind of, you know, they need to see something um, to, to save jobs and stuff. Do you think he gets rushed into the into the starting role? I think there's no other option. As I've said, Dal Dalton is not the answer. They're, they're in a division with the Packers and they're gonna, obviously going to be the favoured team again this year. So it's very much a case of go hard, go home. And, and you've, you've got you've got to put him in uh, and, and see what he's like. And, and basically, Pace and, Pace and Nagy are mortgaging their future on Trey Lance. And, and just to say as well that the, the aggressive aggression of the trade was because you look at teams like the Broncos, the Patriots, the Washington football team, they're all picking ahead of the Bears. So it had to be a, a, a nice chunky offer for, for the Lions to accept. If you look at the trade that happened between the 49ers and, and the Dolphins, where there was three first rounders and a third, it's a very similar trade in terms of capital and assets uh, for the Lions. So it's very much a case of Lance has to be the day one starter. There might be some rookie, uh, there might be some rookie mistakes and rookie traits that might come in. But he has the arm. Uh, obviously, there isn't much much tape on college, um, but he has the legs as well. So we have to see. Um, but bears one final chance. 
That's it, man. No, I like it. Lee, anything from you? I was just going to comment on the trade and the, the fact that, yeah, like you say, Ryan Pace and uh, Matt Nagy are on the hot seat, aren't they? And they don't care if they're selling someone else's picks down the road to get this guy. You know, if it's one last swing of the bat, isn't it? Roll the dice and, and get him in. And like you say, you know, Ed's kind of mentioned it and we've, we've kind of mentioned it on the pod in the past that you've got to take those high upside guys and that's what Lance is really, isn't it? Exactly. Uh, he's high upside, although the, there isn't much tape on him. Uh, and like I've said, it's either Nagy will, will succeed and Trey Lance is going to be the quarterback that Chicago have created for the next 15 years or Nagy and Pace are gone. Next year, they're bringing someone like Brian Dable from the Bills, who has made Josh Allen into the quarterback he is. You can see similar similar bits and pieces with the, the, the running game with Lance and Allen and the strong arm, et cetera, et cetera. So don't be surprised if that happens next year. So it's it's a... It's a win-win situation here for Trey Lance and the Bears. My man, that's a good shout. Brian Dayball to the Bears next year. Get your money I'll on take, it now. I'll take. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Now. I like it. I'm, I'm yeah. going to yeah, do it on, online when, I, when I'm not, not talking on here. But no, Brad, brilliant trade. Great pick. Uh, we'll, we'll see have you back on very, very soon. And as we've got at the bottom there, we've got the Carolina Panthers on the clock. And that means we're going back to Ed. For Ed, another pick that kind of just fell into your lap, my friend. One pick away. <laughs> One pick away from Trey Lance. <laughs> I was so... I wanted to be really... Hes I, I didn't want to trade up, basically, because my plan in this whole thing was to wait for a quarterback to fall to eight that I wanted, and that was going to be one of the top four. I really wanted Trey Lance to fall to eight. I didn't feel comfortable trading up, as I usually would, because I just don't think the situation in Carolina at the moment is good enough to get this quarterback and be in a position to succeed. So I wasn't comfortable giving away another first-round pick, because this Carolina team is full of holes. So I was, I was so close to getting Trey Lance. So close. But instead, I have uh, decided just to get the best offensive weapon. We know the Panthers spent every single pick last year on defense. And, you know, I think that the addition of a guy like Carl Pitts, who is um, arguably the most rare talent in this draft, could take their offense to new levels. They've got Joe Brady. Um, but whoever is the quarterback of the Panthers going forward will have an offense, including Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Kyle Pitts and future Hall of Famer Dan Arnold. So <laughs> there is so much to work with here. I think given all the quarterbacks are off the board and I'm not comfortable taking Matt Jones at eight, I think this is the really obvious pick. The, the word is, is that the Panthers worked with Jones at the senior ball and they liked him, but not enough to take him at eight. And there's, I can't remember who said this, but there's a really good quote I heard that if you aren't comfortable taking a quarterback at eight, don't take them in the first round. Because whether you take a quarterback at you know, eight or you take them at 32, they're a first-round quarterback. Your head is on the block. So I decided against it. And uh, Kyle Pitts, for me, rare talent. The Panthers' offense, if they get a quarterback who will throw it more than 20 yards, will be, will be great. I love Teddy, but having Pitts and having these guys, if they get a proper quarterback who's ready to risk it, they could be really special. So do you think with, obviously, Sam Darnold moving there over the past few days, obviously that's a nice pick for him because obviously it makes him a bit better, gives him a better situation than he's ever had with the guys that you named on offense than he's ever had in New York. So do you think that they wouldn't be picking a quarterback anyway because Sam Darnold's going to rip it up and, you know, he's going to have a great career in Carolina after his fresh start? Yeah, I think, I mean, this is the thing. You mentioned it, but I if, if Trey Lance had fallen to me at eight, and Sam Darnold was already on the team, I would have very much considered taking Trey Lance anyway. 
I might have leaned towards, but I, I, I think that I still, yeah, this is a good situation for Darnold. I think that offense is obviously really strong now. Puts him in a great, you know, situation with Joe Brady as well. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I think the addition of Pitts was very important for Darnold, because we know for all of his wonderful qualities he has shown during his three years in New York, the man is not particularly accurate. And Kyle Pitts, thankfully. Does it, you don't need to be accurate with Carlos. You can throw it within 20 yards of the guy and he'll he'll pick it out of space. So I think it gives him a really nice safety bl blanket. Uh, and, you know, they, they need to invest in the offensive line next because they've got all these weapons. They've got, you know, Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. They've got all this stuff. Now, once they've sorted that and he has weapons thrown to them, they just need to invest in the offensive line because they have made some incredibly questionable moves, bringing in, I think, Pat Alfine and I can't remember the other guard they brought in. But basically, I think via PFF's rankings, the two worst guards they could have possibly taken in free agency, they picked up on day one. So they need to invest in that next. But, yeah, I just – I also think with Carl Pitts, is that wherever you're taking him, whatever situation you're in, I don't care if you've got the best offense in the league, he's going to improve you. He's going to be great. He's so rare. And, uh, yeah, I just think this makes so much sense and uh, so much sense for the Panthers here. And they could be they could be fun next year. I don't know if they're, you know, they're going to be particularly great, but they could be fun. And to be honest, that's all we want, isn't it? That's all we want. I'm a Bengals fan. I don't, I don't care about that. I just want fun. And uh, <laughs> Sam, uh, Sam Darnold throwing it around incredibly inaccurately with all the weapons he has will be fun. <laughs> So that's a, that's a tick off the box for the Panthers. There we go. There we go. Ed, great to speak to you again. Great pick again. Um, great analysis again. You really entertained us there. As we got down the bottom there, we've got the Broncos on the clock. So we're going to bring in Josh, who's been waiting a long, long time. Josh, we'll welcome you in. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, so a uh, little trade a little earlier on, but uh, better late than never. I'm glad to be on the board. <laughs> yeah, tell us who the pick is then, mate. Yep, so at nine, Broncos select Mika Parsons, linebacker from Penn State. Um, this was actually a pretty easy one, so just a matter of best player available on the board. Um, the questions about quarterback, all quarterbacks are gone at this point that you would take in round one. Um, wide receivers would be next, but with uh, Sutton and Judy, you don't really need to do that in Denver. So you go to the defense and you go to the best one on the board, which quite clearly, I think, from all the analysis that's out there, is Parsons. Do you think that um, Parsons' kind of character issues that we've seen, that kind of hazing stuff on campus and things, is that going to play into the Broncos' mind at all with this pick? Is that, you know, even there or is it just kind of all, all smoke? I think that especially around draft time, you see one or two stories going into almost every draft season and I think that as as GMs, you see it sort of come and go. They'd have done their own interviews with the guy. Uh, they'd have they'd have probably have touched base with him after it's all come out as well. So it depends as to how the conversations come out on that. But you know, we see we we see guys with character issues in college and before and go number one overall. Let alone. You know, let, let alone further down the line. So, it 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 will be an issue, yeah. But one of which will probably be ironed out in the phone call. Nice, yeah. No, fair enough. I, I I can I can get on board with that. And in terms of Parsons, the player, then obviously absolute beast. And uh, and until those kind of character things were going were coming out, it seemed like almost like a top five lock sort of uh, thing. How much of a game changer can uh, a linebacker be for a team this early in the draft? And and do you think he's kind of like long term? 
10 year sort of option there gonna gonna stick around and be the guy for a while in Denver well one thing which Denver has always had to its credit is a strong defense you know it's had it's had its issues on offense but it tries to stick behind a pretty solid defense and they've got that again now they've they've silently built that while their offense has been somewhat in need of a quarterback but that being said they've got they've got that now that that foundation and parsons can not only be a piece of it but he can be a dynamic piece as well you know he can play inside outside um you know against the division as well if you look at the tight ends that are in the division parsons will have them on toast of which you know you need in a division of which includes the chiefs the chargers you know it's it, it, it's such a a huge position that which they they'll now have filled with this pick that it it, it definitely falls into no brainer category. Nice, yeah. Uh, final question for me, Lee, and I'll, I'll flip it your way. Mac Jones is sat there. I I think this is well, the, the last time until we get down to to New England, maybe at fifteen. That this is the kind of area that you could go. I mean, you're not not tempted at all, and you and you confident that Drew Locke is the guy going forward. Then, if that's the case. I mean, there's always a temptation to take the next available QB when there's a QB situation. But Denver's been here before. <laughs> and before. And before. I'm a Browns fan. Been there. Sometimes it's just not right taking the, the quarterback that falls in your lap. And I think that is going to be the case. Maybe it's a case of looking at the, uh, you know, the losers coming out of the QB carousel and seeing if they should come in for a go. You know, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be now sat there looking for a situation. May, may, maybe him coming in for a year could help the Broncos out. So yeah. it, it seems like too much of a gamble, especially for Elway as well. I think Elway's in the last year of his contract, of which if he goes for another quarterback in the first round, you know, as you were saying earlier on in the program, um, taking a quarterback in the first round you know that 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 is your reputation as a gm there so maybe he just looks to shore up the defense say defense is sorted we just need a qb to take it the way now forget the fact that i was your most famous qb ever blah 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 <laughs> you know just get that sorted next year and you've got a team that can go into the postseason in one of the tougher divisions in the nfl absolutely nice. Josh, I just want to keep you on just for a second because obviously you're another new face as we had Ed on in the same capacity. You had your yeah. handle down there, Believe Land Brit, and obviously you've mentioned obviously before that you're a Browns fan. Tell us a little bit about Believe Land Brit and also tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing for us here at the Full 10 Yards as well. Yeah, so um, Believe Land Brit's just a, just a little fan account which I've got going at the moment, not podding or anything like that as of yet. Um, but I'm definitely looking to you know get in touch with other UK Browns fans. We're everywhere. Um, massive fan community. They probably kept me going during the 0 and 16, 1 and 15. Um, so you know, it's it's my way of keeping in touch with uh, UK fans from not just not just on the island either. There's so many that are littered as expats as well, which is great. Mm. Um, in terms of uh, what I'm doing here at um, Full Ten Yards, so uh, quite a lot of what you'll see of me is on the back end. Um, 
you know, uh, there is a there is an eyes peeled sort of uh, moment for things coming up in the future of which I'll <laughs> be able like to uh, to reveal more once it's all revealed. But uh, no, quite a bit of that. A few um, a, a few deep dive articles as well. And you'll see you'll see me floating about in like the betting and the and the um, power ranking stuff as well. I'm going to be bringing power rankings to the full ten yards as well. Awesome so, stuff! Uh, awesome stuff! Yeah, exciting times. You're essentially going to be making us look good. And it's a little bit of a teaser, but yeah, absolutely eyes peeled <laughs> for that. <laughs> We're unsure if yeah. teams let us say that yet. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> if I let the cat out of the bag. I mean, I'm sure he's coming on um, just in, in in the moment because obviously we've got the Dallas Cowboys on the clock. But Josh, thank you very much. We'll see you very very soon. And uh, no yeah, we'll bring on the boss. And uh, you know, if he wants to tell me off for, for letting that out of the bag, maybe he can. But um, the boss, you're on the clock. I would, I would, I would do, but I can. I wasn't listening. I'm, t- I'm, I'm, doing, <laughs> I'm doing too many other things. So I, I, I did hear the comment about making this look good, and I, I, just, I thought that was a stab to the heart. But never mind. Well, uh, <laughs> well, yes, let, so everyone who's watching, Tim is doing the graphics because I can't multitask. So yeah, look, see, yeah. Look, look, there's my, there's my war room. There's my war room. <laughs> oh, there we go. So you're giving yeah. away the pick behind you there. Take us through. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's deja vu, isn't it, for Dallas, if I'm, if I'm quite honest. Um, this time last year, everyone was wanting, you know, cornerback or, or, or whatever, you know, it's at least we obviously we addressed it in the second round with Trevon Diggs, who was, was a bit hot and cold, but I think as for, for a first year, I thought it was very promising personally. Maybe I had, I've got my out and John tinted glasses on, but um, I, th- I think where Dallas are, they obviously have, they should have the pick of pick of the cornerback litter or a class, unless obviously Denver go, go that way. I don't really see anyone going before Denver that will, that will pick one. Um, so I, I just love JC Horn. I mean, he's, he's, his surname is what he gives me when I watch his watch his, his tape. Um, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Well, come on, you can't, you can't have me on and not have a pun. Yeah, that's um, very true. <laughs> yeah, and no, I, I just think, you know, Caleb, Caleb Farley, obviously, will go probably a bit further on in the first round. He's got, obviously, a back niggling injury. Uh, Patrick Satan's obviously, everyone's favourite to go first. Obviously, I wouldn't mind him. I, I just like the way JC Horn plays. He just looks like a bit of a, a, bit, uh, a, bit of a twat. And like, as in, like, Jay's got the, the he just gives me Jalen Ramsey vibes. And I'm not going to say call him a Jalen Ramsey, but I just like the way he goes about himself. He's a, you know, he looks like a corner, plays like a corner. Uh, and to say, if we can address corner, you know, we're not, we're not going to get too many, um, too many instances in the next couple of years where we have the, the chance to pick the best one in the class. Um, you know, albeit there, if they're, if they're really good, like Jeff Akuda was supposed to be last year, obviously we're not picking at three or four overall or whatever it was, but um, yeah, JC Horn feels a massive need. I'd, I'd be very surprised if we go too much on offense this, this year in the draft, because uh, it is, it is just that, that defense. And I, I think JC Horn will, will fit Dan Quinn's obviously new, new, new defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. Um, I think it will fit his system a little bit. Um, and I just think he'll slot in hopefully, uh, Hopefully, we'll be, we'll be calling his end. But then again, they say I did all these mocks last year, and I picked Xavier McKinney. He didn't go to the second round. So, what do I, what do I know? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, mate, I completely agree. He's my cornerback one. I absolutely love him as well. And I won't go as far to say he gave me the horn, but I couldn't wait to watch more tape because he's an absolutely, you know, he's a dynamite watch, really. Um, and like you say, you know, he's definitely feeling a need. And you know, with him and Trevon Diggs, you've got a nice cornerback duo there to go. Oh, and you know, mm. practice against all these great wide receivers that you've got as well. So it was looking looking up 
if you get yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing as well. The thing is that I'd say we, like, with Diggs, I know he had up and down, but like I say, he's been pra- he obviously practices as a shadow. His, his brother Stefan can't do it against many better route runners in the NFL. So, he, yeah, again, he'll just continue to keep on, on, on leaps and bounds. And I, I saw enough flashes there for me to be pretty confident that he'll be he'll be there for, for a good number of years. Just hopefully, obviously, we can we can partner someone with him. And um, yeah, JC Horn, I've gone for, but again, not 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 too fast if it's Satan, but please not Farley, please not Farley. <laughs> don't want the back injury lingering around. Although we do like players with, with injuries or or you know, stuff on their on their D on their on the what do you call it? What do police record list? Generally have to tick one of those boxes to be on the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> just just briefly before we let you go, have you seen these rumours that the Dallas Cowboys are looking to trade up to number four? And if so, what do you think about it? Uh it's the first I've heard of it, and it's a load of bollocks. Well, I assume that'd be for Saul, right? Or Pitts, apparently. Uh, excuse me, but, uh, hashtag always jarring, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I, will not, I will not have any, any blow and blasphemy on this podcast. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. We'll see how long that lasts. Great to have you, obviously, picking for your own Cowboys. But yeah, we'll get you back on very, very soon for your next pick. We do have the Vikings on the clock, and despite some technical difficulties, I believe we do have Liam. Um, he's here to speak to us. Oh, we're getting the ring of death. It's coming on. Yes, there we go. Caught him mid-drink. <laughs> How are we doing, mate? You okay? Hey. Yeah, good. Thanks, good. Welcome to the Minnesota uh, draft room. Yeah, and obviously <laughs> we've, we've kept you waiting ever so like it's kept you waiting quite a long time, haven't we? And you've got a trade for us. You've traded up. Yeah, if we traded up, it's time for Minnesota. Yeah, we can see on the screen, traded with the New York Giants and, um, yeah, sent a few picks to New York and uh, number 11. So you, who are you taking then, my friend? Who who are you getting for at the Vikings? Uh, we, uh, we're trading up for uh, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. Um Really, uh, in need of uh, that position here in Minnesota. There's a there's a trend at the moment in the NFL of um, there's a few teams that have released starting tackles. I think that they know the depth that uh, this class holds, and um, the Vikings released starting left tackle uh, Riley Reef. Um, so I think that this is a spot that they're going to target as soon as possible. They need a starter um, as soon as they can, and. Uh, I think uh, Rashawn Slater is uh, the one that's is uh, gonna uh, feel um, just so technically good at footwork and movement. Everything's great. He's gonna fit on that Minnesota line uh, really quickly. Started from day one. Um, it's gonna be such a free-moving, athletic line with um, Garrett Bradbury and uh, Ezra Cleveland's there as well. Um, yeah, really, really good. I think um, geographically. It works as well as a Big Ten guy who, as you can see, dressed in purple. Uh, so uh, he's an NFC North uh, O lineman for sure. I think, uh, yeah, it's time to time to trade up. We had to uh, beat a few teams that I was worried about. The discharges being one of them. So uh, yeah, time to trade up and then get a day one starter. Nice. I mean, I definitely like him. You've and you've been big on him all year, haven't you? As we've, we've talked on the pod, but I mean, uh, just kind of for, for listeners and stuff. What do you think the difference is uh, between yeah. Slater and, and Sewell? Um, do you think like uh, do do you think Slater could go as like the first tackle in the draft, or is there is there a bit of a gap between him and Sewell? 
I still like Saul as OT1. And uh, the, um, again, uh, team fit-wise kind of felt good. So I think there's a few teams that uh, Saul fits early. So I, th I think that uh, Saul will be the first one. And, and overall play upside with, with Saul is massive, isn't it? And um, I wouldn't begrudge Paul um, saying that, that Slater is, is ready to play because I believe he is. Um, I think that he's a close second overall to, to Saul still. Nice. Uh, Lee, anything else from you on that pick? No, I mean, like I say, thanks very much for jumping ahead of the Chargers because it would have been a player that I would have been targeting as well. I mean, I'm fairly happy with my pick that we'll get to in a couple of picks' time. But yeah, I think it's a nice little group at the top, isn't it? And like you say, he's been big on him all year. We had him in the, the very first mock draft that we did um, right at the end of the first round, didn't we? Um, where you picked him for the Steelers, if I remember right. So yeah, yeah as you say, a guy that you've. you've yeah, been he's been a first rounder for a long time. And he, right. Hi. Absolutely. Um, Liam, we'll welcome you back, hopefully, when you've got a little bit of better sound. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll welcome you back later on. And uh, we'll move back to Tim, actually. Tim, with a couple of quick-fire picks. Um, picking for your rivals, are you going to sabotage them? <laughs> oh, I don't need to do that. Harry Roseman does it for him anyway. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the pick then. Tell us about yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, do I, I can't even remember. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, no, I've, gone, I've gone Patrick Satan. I mean, with, with, the, with the Eagles, I could have gone, could go a load of a load of different ways. Um, I know they've they've signed a, cute, a couple of veterans that are coming back, mainly off what was the offensive line. But again, you know, Satan, I think with the cornerback class not being the greatest, uh, you know, it gives them a, just a, a chance of you know, someone that looks pretty. It looks like he'll fit in well. Again, I'm, I'm not going to say he's pro ready because that, that would annoy Ed, and I don't want to annoy Ed because he's <laughs> um, Yeah, but like I say yeah, for them to trade back, was it from six to twelve? Says to me that they you know, obviously they don't want a quarterback, uh, and then again that says to me that yeah, there's there's a. They, at 12, they get a couple of options, but they're, they're in a rebuild, aren't they? So, again, it's just about getting young pieces that not, might not necessarily hit the hit the ground running day one or year one, um, you know, because, yeah, likelihood is maybe pick top 10 again next season. So, um, I just think, yeah, but best player available for them. Uh, wouldn't even be surprised if they move back down again in a couple of spots, maybe to, you know, as they take tackles, then maybe start, uh, oh, my dog's started, my dog started barking, excellent. Um, I love the pick. Yeah, loves the pick. Absolutely, but he's barking, barking. Um, yeah, so like I say, yeah, it could go loads of, loads of different ways. To, um, but yeah, I've gone for Satan uh, corner. So you've been watching a lot of this cornerback class then, and you think that Horn is just above Satan? Is it falling the way that obviously you've been in control of both of these picks? Uh, I, I, I mean, it's, yeah, I just, yeah, well, I got to choose who I wanted, so I don't really care who he was. But, um, <laughs> no. It's kind of a flip of a coin. Like I say, if Dallas took Satan, I'm not, I'm not too fast. I think they're both they're both equally um, they be both equally adept at, at what the uh, the I mean the NFC is crap as well anyway, so they're not going to have a too much hard time of it. Um, but I do I do I don't mind uh, all the Dallas Cowboys receivers going up against them. Um, but no, like I say, I, I think just with with Horn, it was just, it was just my gut the gut the gut gave me my gut gave me the Horn. Um, Jesus Christ, get me off this get me off this podcast. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, pretty pretty similar. Like I say, if you flip a coin, it goes the other side. I'm not, I'm not fussy either way. And I don't think the Philadelphia, if the Philadelphia Eagles want to go cornerback, again, I think they would probably feel the same. Yeah, I don't think you'd be getting any booze in Philadelphia if this was the pick, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, another great pick. And we'll see you very, very soon as well. <laughs> a bit of a hat-trick almost. <laughs> yeah. But it comes back to me, obviously, picking for my Chargers. Um, 
and again, this one was a, a, a bit of a quandary. You know, it made it made easier by the picks that, like I said before, Liam obviously took Rashawn Slater, uh, Sewell's there. But I have been saying for quite a while now, actually, I want one of three players to be the Chargers pick in the first round. I want it to be an offensive lineman because I don't want to see Justin Herbert get hurt. And um, I want it to be either Rashawn Slater, who is now gone, Christine Darisaw, or Elijah Vera Tucker. I think I've got my co-host here, who's maybe Elijah Vera Tucker's the biggest fan, so I'm going to make him very pleased and making him the pick. I feel like with this one, we're going to kick him out to left tackle. We're going to see how he goes. You know, we've got Matt Filer, we've got um, Abushi, who we've got in from the Lions, and obviously we've got Corey Lindsay. This is going to create a new offensive line for Justin Herbert. And do you know what? He had some good tape, and you'll obviously attest to this in a moment, that he had some good tape outside for USC in this in the autumn. If he doesn't work out there, do you know what? We've got an elite guard and we're not paying Abushi too much and he could probably swing inside there. And we've got another pick that's going to be left tackle later on down the line. But, I mean, we're both on board with this one, aren't we? We think he can play left tackle. We're big fans. Yeah, I mean, he's going to clear the clear room in the run game. He's going to give you time to throw the ball. Everything that you need, really, for, for a young quarterback, just to, just protecting the blind side. So, yeah, I love the pick. And I think it also gives um, a bit of like a boost to Austin Eckler as well, creates some big holes in, the, in that A-gap to, 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 to hit really hard. So, mate, I, I love it. I think uh, I think a lot of people are kind of still not sold on him as a tackle. But the, the tape that's out there, I mean, he took on some of the, some of the better kind of edge rushers um, you know, all, all season the six games that they played all season. Um, but he, he took they took them on well. He, he was very solid. He, he just kind of sets his stance really well, and um, and he just moves guys as well. So yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, he's very agile, very aware of his of his surroundings as well. I've had him up there all year since the first kind of draft that we did. And um, yeah, any later than this, it's just a bargain for me. And uh, I annoyed some Dolphins fans at the weekend by taking him at 18 when he fell to me in a kind of a mock draft. And and uh, and they were all kind of telling me that Najee Harris was the guy. But if he's there at 18, then, then snap my hand off. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not really buying into the fact that with the short arms thing and things like that, I think you've got plenty of examples of great tackles that have had shorter arms than the the, the so-called threshold. So yeah, I'm happy to take him a local product as well, obviously going to USC, so keeping him in Los Angeles. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy with that one. You know, I'd be absolutely ecstatic with that one on draft night if that happens in three weeks' time. And we'll welcome back Mr. NFC East <laughs> himself, sabotaging another team <laughs> in the division for the Giants. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in hindsight, says I shouldn't be on the podcast. I'm on the podcast way too much at the moment. But uh, what, what can you do? You know, people, people pay for sex sales, don't they? But there we go. Um, <laughs> I'll just get straight to the pick uh, again. It's another NFC's team. Um, I quite like. I, I took Gregory Russo, and after doing a bit more digging deeper into him, I don't actually like him. So um, sorry, Giants. <laughs> Sorry, Giants fans. He opted out, didn't he? And then he had an injury and he's only had one full season from, from what I saw. But yeah, edge edge is kind of a position they, they, they could they could fill. I uh, wouldn't be surprised for them to go to go wide receiver here. Obviously, yeah, yeah we've, I did consider was it Waddle at this point. Um, and obviously, yeah, they, I, this is a trade back. Uh, and the reason why I traded back from the Giants with, with the Vikings at 11 is because I only move it back two spots. But the player, there's plenty of, there's a pool of players that the Giants could pick and you know, you're picking up a, you know, a couple of extra picks and um, yeah, I mean, not that Gettleman likes moving back. He likes to stick where he, where he is and, and plants his flag. But yeah, oh well, sorry, David, what's happening? Um, yeah, quite, quite raw. Quite yeah, could potentially look quite a lot of upside. Um, yeah, obviously his partner Jalen Phillips as well. He was another. He was another uh, consideration. Uh, but yeah, decided to go with Gregorio uh, because I just like spelling his name. To be quite honest, now joking. <laughs> I mean, he, he does a very Gettleman pick, isn't it? In terms of the the fact that he loves to draft trench players. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, that, that's kind of why I got it down to. Like, again, offensive tackle with, you know, trading back, I knew that the Vikings obviously were going to take a tackle, well, kind of take a tackle, and then obviously your pick at the charges. So I kind of knew that the if the tackle the tackle class would probably be a bit more depleted. Um, but yeah, but uh, Jamie Jamie Anderson, like my pick, so yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Uh, and then here we've got here, Jamie Anderson dropping down boards. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a few things I've, I've been reading. I'm actually surprised if he drops down to like late 20s, maybe even out the first round. But yeah, Patrick Graham obviously got a great defensive coach last season. That that Giants defense towards the back end of the season played really well. I remember the game against Seattle um, where they just locked down Russell Wilson and um, that that cheese great of an offensive line. But um, yeah, Gregor Russo edge. Uh, but there's a lot of ways, a lot of ways that the uh, Giants could could go here but again that's why i wouldn't be surprised on on draft night seeing them move back uh, that's why i've moved back here all right then we'll, we'll, we won't bring you back in a couple of weeks time you've got a little bit of a longer wait this time um <laughs> we're bringing back the himbo himself and i'm, he's I'm on, sorry for this and I'm he's on the clock <laughs> with his patriots i'm surprised he's not got a patriots jersey patriots hat patriots everything patriots wallpaper with the 15 <laughs> overall pick they are not only the scourge of the AFC East, but the, the scourge of the entire NFL. With six Super Bowl wins and nine Super Bowl appearances in the last 20 years behind the old curmudgeon genius. <laughs> that is Bill Belichick bringing in hot free agent signings like Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, behind the absolute man mountain that is Cam Newton, the young nerd, Jarrett Stidham, the New England Patriots select future Hall of Fame wide receiver, future 10 consecutive season, 1,000 receiving yards. <laughs> Jalen Waddle out of Alabama. This is just a no-brainer pick, guys. Come on. We need more receiving talent. I know we got Kendrick Bourne. I know we got Nelson Aguilar, but those guys <laughs> are not going to cut it down the stretch. I know we've got Hunter Henry. I know we've got Joe New Smith. I know the Dolphins fans are quaking in their boots right now. The Bills fans are shocked as well. They might be jumping through no tables this season and the Jets fans, well, they're always irrelevant. So this pick is going to make a lot of sense. We need the weapons out there. We already have probably the best defense in the league right now with corners such as JC Jackson and Stefan Gilmore. Big boys up front like Chase Winovich and some great tackles we also have the best offensive line on the league i don't think that's even up for debate so if we put jalen waddle in there my god a thousand yard season off the bat as a rookie he's gonna kill it now i couldn't obviously select the best receiver in this draft he was gone way too early but jalen waddle adds a lot he's a future look we can't draft the next jerry rice when we're picking at 15 that's just absurd but with Jalen Waddle, we're going to have a steady guy who puts up consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, is going to be a consecutive target in the end zone. Whether it's Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, or maybe next year even Jaden Daniels throwing him the ball. So this is just the pick that makes most sense. Kieran with the comment, he's got a very good point. Cam can't throw. We might have to put, you know, Julian Edelman in at quarterback. Wouldn't that be fun? But... This, this just makes the most sense. We need to load up on offensive weapons. Nelson Aguilar is not a long-term solution. Kendrick Bourne's going to be great, but once again, he's not a number one receiver. And even with Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, they're not the guys who are going to burn defences deep. 
And Jalen Waddle, this might be controversial. He is so much better than Devontae Smith. That's just a fact. If you've watched the tape, you know it's true. Also, he's not going to get snapped by a light breeze blowing through Foxborough because we know it gets windy down there. So, yeah, this is the best available pick for the New England Patriots. And this will bring us our seventh Super Bowl in 22 years. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your asses. I'm sorry, Andy. I'm sorry, Raj. You guys are going to have to miss out on the playoffs with a 10-7 and 7 record once again. <laughs> Anything think, to say? Um, <laughs> I think we could just move on, can't we? I mean, that was, yeah. that was enough. Does it, does it all of a sudden? <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was enough. But, um, but mate, I mean, uh, serious question, though. I'm obviously, you got the injury this year, and you, and you kind of, like, went all out to try and get back for that for that. Um, the playoff games and stuff like that. I mean, are you at all concerned about that? Is that the reason why you think he's fallen down to you at 15 here? Because obviously been talked about as a top 10 guy. Uh, I think the reason he's fallen, especially, it's not especially the injury, but we talk about this every single week on the podcast. Football is such a what have you done for me lately sport. Uh, and that's what it is. Uh, Devonta Smith, sorry, he's so skinny, he just slips my mind. Uh, he, he won the Heisman. So a lot of people are focusing on that rather than the tape. And we watch a lot of tape between us. So we kind of know that Jalen Waddle possesses a little bit more of a, a complete skill set than Devonta Smith and maybe a skill set that translates to the NFL uh, a little better. So I, I, I think this is kind of a no-brainer pick if you want a great, great, uh, if you want a great wide receiver. Can't edit that out uh, for me, Tim, unfo- uh, Lee, unfortunately. Uh, but he, he is just the uh, no-brainer pick. And obviously the Patriots are absolutely loaded with talent right now. Uh, and I think it just makes the most sense to add an a- absolute stud there because we have the best offensive line. We have just a stock of tight ends at this point. I think we're opening up a farm. Uh, so yeah, just grabbing another wide receiver who can add a bit more depth to that depth chart. We're not sure if Julian Edelman's coming back, potentially even stick Jalen in the slot for some plays. So, yeah, J- Jalen Waddle's going to go out there and be an absolute beast for the New England Patriots. And uh, we're coming for number seven, boys. <laughs> All right, <Probably. laughs> All right we'll, 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 we'll let you save your breath for your next pick. We're coming up in a, in a few picks' time. Great pick again for yourself on the Patriots. We've got the Cardinals coming up, and we're going to bring back Ed for this pick as well. So, Ed, come back. Tell us who you're taking for the Cardinals. Well, I was considering the guy who went at 15, but I think I'd have gone with this anyway. I'm not going to be as certain as Kieran because I am embracing (laughs) high variance and taking Virginia Tech cornerback Caleb Farley. Look, there is a potential chance that he turns up at training camp, his back gives out, and you don't see him take the field. However, I think in terms of pure talent, this guy is the best corner in the draft, in my opinion. And the Cardinals secondary has not been a particularly great place recently. And obviously, the, you know, the offense is working there. DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, they've got Andy Isabella as a deep threat. He can be our jailer model, sure. Um, but I think there is an opportunity to uh, really improve this defense by adding a guy who can bring great coverage ability. I was interested in Aziz Ojolari, but obviously they've brought in JJ Watt to be the other edge rusher. Uh, and I think... If you have Kale Farley in the team, and he's a guy who, if he's not injured, can, I think, cover anybody. Um, and then you have alongside him Isaiah Simmons, last year's first-round pick. For me, that's a true cornerback one, potentially, who can cover the best receivers in the league. And then that's Isaiah Simmons, who's this versatile defensive guy who can deal with matchups across a field, whether that be tight ends, receivers, whatever. 
for me, then you are creating a really special defense potentially um, where you can negate so many different problems. If you have Caleb Farley locking down wide receiver one and you have Isaiah Simmons locking down, let's say, weapon number two, suddenly this defense with the, you know, the caliber of players that are adding up front has a bit of something to it. And Cardinals are going very dadzani with AJ Green and JJ Watt and everything. I've also they're taking Sean Williams, another Bengals guy. So they are going a bit dadzani. So it, it makes sense that their first overall pick in this draft has back problems. So yeah, I'm happy with I'm happy with Caleb Farley. I think the injury thing is a problem, but then I, I think he's the best corner in the draft. I think he's probably the best defensive prospect in this draft. So I am happy to take that risk at this point. So. Absolutely. You've talked about another succession plan. You know, you've got obviously talked about your Bengals pick where you're taking Chase to succeed from AJ Green. Obviously, he's come to the Cardinals. And now, obviously, the Cardinals have lost Patrick Peterson. You're bringing in Farley. You're creating a great secondary. Like you say, you've got Simmons, you've got Buda Baker, you've now got Farley. Like you say, this defense is looking up. Exactly. And it's, I think, the NFL at the moment, when you've got, you know, offenses around the league going crazy, for me, I. I really care about taking high variant shots on potentially special defensive playmakers. I want guys who are going to make plays on the ball who have the potential to cover anyone in the league. And I think Caleb Farley, I hate going all in on these things, but I think if he goes through the injury things, he lives up to what he could be. He could be a top five corner in this league. Now there is a, probability this doesn't happen because of the back issues. uh, And the fact we've only really seen one year of quality tape. But I, as the Cardinals, I think when there's you know not so much else on the board that I'm particularly bothered about, apart from the secondary, I'm going to attack this. I'm going to say, look, we've got Kyler Murray. We've got this explosive offense. We've got offensive genius Cliff Kingsbury. Why not make a defense that will work as well? So, yeah, I think this is the best value pick. And if it goes right, and theoretically, if Isaiah Simmons and Caleb Farley work out, the Arizona Cardinals could be sneakily one of those teams who – both have an explosive offense and have a defense that can run with literally everybody. Caleb Farley on wide receiver one, and then Isaiah Simmons on. You know he can cover potentially a Carl Pitts or a uh, or a Travis Kelsey. So high variance pick, but I am very happy with the value here. Absolutely, yeah, no great pick. Like I say, really excited for that defense if it turns out. Ed, we'll bring you back a little bit later on for your next pick. We don't have the first round now. Let's pick up the pace a little bit. We've got Josh, who's coming back with uh, with the Browns, I think, for his team. Obviously, after that little uh, trade-up that we've made there, we've got another trade on the board. Hello. Yes. Let Hello. me paint you a picture. <laughs> Kids in Cleveland don't think, when are we going to win a Super Bowl? They think, <laughs> are we ever going to host a draft? Because Cleveland don't win Super Bowls. They win the draft and the offseason every damn year. (laughs) The one year we finally get the draft in Cleveland, we're in number 26 on the draft board. That doesn't put bums on seats. Now, that wouldn't usually be an issue, but imagine being a Cleveland Browns fan and you're going to the draft. Everything's opening up just gradually now. The Indians suck. The Cavs suck. The Blue Jackets down the road might get into the postseason. You're pretty much backing everything on the Browns. You go down to draft day because it's an NFL event and you haven't been in a while. 
and I mean a while for some of them. <laughs> they go in. It's six degrees, pouring with rain. <laughs> it's okay. We're going to get a standard pick at 26, and we're just going to tick along, and it'll be all right. And you just go along with being all right. Not Andrew Berry. No. We're going to take this <laughs> and kick it into overdrive. So we take all that extra draft stock that we got last year, you know, the extra third rounder, the extra fourth rounder, and we give it to the Raiders because we want Jeremiah Owasu Koromora, linebacker, Notre Dame, because, my God, this guy is a talent. He's versatile. He is Joe Woods's wet dream. There is no guy better than JOK for Joe Woods's scheme. And if you think about the kind of people that we go up against, the Browns go up against on a regular basis, you need someone that can rush Lamar Jackson whilst also keeping keeping an eye on Mark Andrews. And then if you look at the only other game where a terrible, terrible uh, defense was actually picked apart, it was against the Chiefs in the divisional game. And that's all because they weren't able to get speedy guys working as either safeties, cornerbacks, or linebackers. This guy, alongside all the other off-season pickups of which the Browns have had, will effectively give Joe Woods his perfect scheme. And that is why it was worth giving up other people's picks to move up those nine spots. Man, I watched this guy uh, bully my Florida State Seminoles uh, earlier in the year. I absolutely love him. I think he's he's long, he's rangy, he's going to, like like you say, rush the passer, he can drop into coverage, a um, bit of everything. Um, man, that, that defence is going to be stacked after this as well, isn't it? I mean, are, are you kind of confident that this kind of puts you on the course for, for a deeper playoff run? If it like, Is this the kind of pick that can kind of, you know, galvanise and, and, and push, push the team forward? Yeah, so... If you think back to if you think back to last season, the Browns could score at any given moment. It, you know that they, they can put up seven whenever. In that Browns Ravens Thursday night football game, uh, you know, with a minute or so to go, I wasn't concerned about us scoring with a minute to go. I was saying, for the love of God, Kareem, don't go in the end zone with like sixty-five seconds left because they will they they will go down the other end of the field. We were playing Sendejo as our star safety who was getting burned <laughs> constantly you know um our defense just wasn't made for it but our offense you know it is championship ready and the with the injuries of which are coming back so greedy williams should be coming back grant delpit will finally be able to see as to what he's like as well um be able to plug in um you know the uh, off-season talent of which we brought in this season um, pl- plug in this pick as well, and all of a sudden, every single hole has been filled. So now you've got offense and defense ready for a run because this team is ready for a run. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. I might, actually <laughs> I, I still can't actually say that as a Browns fan. When I say we're making a run, maybe the AFC Championship game, but then we almost did that this season, just gone as well. But yeah, I do. I do think that the the um, the backroom staff have finally got it set for us to confidently say, and not Sports Illustrated say, but actually say, the Browns are back. 
like you say, man, it's believe land. You know, they, they, they got a championship in 2016 with the Cavs. You know, it can happen. It can happen. And a couple of comments in our private chat here, Kieran and Tim, absolutely loving the sunglasses move, alpha move <laughs> that you pulled out there. But no, awesome pick. Uh, yeah, love that one, uh, backing up what Andy said. And um, moving on into the Dolphins pick at number 18. Josh, we'll see you very, very soon. You're building a scary offense, my friend, with this next pick. And to yeah. team up with Devonta Smith and Tua. I'm not sure I can I can match the excitement without the glasses though. I can just text the missus if she could get my hat, but just not <laughs> not in time. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to add uh, I'm going to add big Najee Harris, um, the, the running back one in this uh, in this class for me. Huge kind of power back that's going to give the Dolphins a bit something that they haven't had for a long time, and that's a reliable uh, every down back and a, and, a, and a kind of you know lead back in the stable sort of thing. I love the I love the strength. I love the power. I love the kind of um, the, the way he shreds tackles. I love the fact that he contributes fantastically in the passing game as well. Said a couple of times on the on the scouting pod this year when he's uh, when he's catching the ball, it's like a big tight end taking the ball in and bullying defenders. So yeah, again that chemistry is there. He's, he's you know been handed the ball by Tua before. There's, there's not going to be any worries there. He know he, I'm not really a hundred percent sold on the pass blocking from him, but that's an area of development. Uh, Lee, Lee's uh, my fellow Dolphin UK pod, uh, podcast host was waiting for this no doubt and I'm, I'm sure I'll get a, a celebratory message in a minute but yeah I, I mean I, I I'm still not sold on, on on the on the number of the pick at 18 but um, I think I need to make my fellow Dolphins fans happy and they love this pick they love the fact that we're actually going to be able to run the ball because last year uh, as much as we all want to be apologists for kind of Miles Gaskin and, and, and Co, they're not the the guys that are going to give Tua um, the time in the pocket. They're not going to you know make defenders stack the box and free up those wide receivers. Harris will do that. He's the guy. And I think we can agree that that's a decent pick for this Dolphins offense. Very decent pick. Uh, we'll start calling you the Aqua Tired or whatever you sell, sell called yourself after all these Alabama picks going in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, like, I mean, Josh has just been saying about the Cleveland offense. I think the Dolphins offense would be ready for a, competing for a championship. We've already seen how the defense is stacking up. So yeah, it's all there. I mean, I've, I've been saying it to you guys. That I think the Dolphins are ready if they play the cards right in this draft and then maybe even the next one could be a powerhouse for the next few years. Uh, whether it comes down to that on the, the night, we'll see. But yeah, we'll move on. We'll move on. We'll pick up the pace, as I mentioned. So we're going to bring Kieran back with the Washington football team. Get ready for some excitement. I know you're dreaded <laughs> me bringing me back, innit? Um, but this is a very, very important pick for the Washington football team. I was very big on this team last year. And I said multiple times, they are just a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. And I don't think anyone argued with that because that defense is scary. So who did I pick? Wide receiver, Rondell Moore out of Purdue. <laughs> now, why did I pick a wide receiver for a team that I said is a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl? Well, it's very, very simple. Not only do they have, you know, the beard, fear the beard, Ryan Fitzmagic. He comes in with his helmet off. He looks like a photo negative of James Harden. That is a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> beard on that man. But they need to take attention away from scary Terry. Terry McLaurin is an amazing wide receiver, but you are not going to be able to throw to him when he's double covered all the time. Now we know Ryan Fitzpatrick, he loves interception. So I don't think that double coverage would actually scare him off. But if you get a guy like Rondale Moore, who is, I think Liam's favorite running back in this class, strangely enough, <laughs> um, he's great out of the slot. He's speedy. And his little five foot nine compact frame, 
holding the same weight as a six foot two Devonta Smith. God damn, I thought that weight couldn't be done in the NFL. But that's the thing with this lower center of gravity. He's going to be great in the slot, picking balls from underneath people, taking off field with his beautiful, very, very fluid transitions. This pick makes the most sense. If you want to win football games, if you want to get Terry McLaurin in the end zone, you've got to get a guy who can take away attention from him. Rondell Moore is a very smart football player. He has a great hands. And don't worry about him playing in a state like Indiana. I'm sure it hasn't rubbed off off him too much. He's still very smart. He's still very agile. And this is just a great pickup for the Washington football team, in my opinion. Man, I, I love Rondell Moore uh, as, as much as the next guy. But, mate, they've just got Curtis Samuel does the same thing, doesn't he? That's the thing, mate. Yeah. You know, Rondell Moore, he's a little bit shorter. He's a little bit <laughs> faster. And look, all my short kings know that 5'9 is the perfect height <laughs> for an absolute man. So this guy's going to come in. Uh, he's going to be great. Uh, in terms of what he adds in the slot, I think uh, over Kendrick Bourne especially, he has a lot more fluid transitions. He can turn up the field and turn on the Jets a lot easier than some guys who look like Kendrick Bourne, but also guys who have already been in the NFL for a while and have played their trade doing that sort of thing out of the slot. He reminds me a lot of Julian Edelman, but he's actually athletic. So whereas <laughs> Julian Edelman came in and kind of filled like a, a Wes Welker role, you know, like the white guy who comes in from Walmart and in the Bill Belichick system, Rondo Moore has kind of got a little bit about that about him. His hands are great. Uh, he, even though like he's better on uh, out of the slot, his roots are still incredibly clean. He's going to get free a lot of the time. And if he can get into open field after he catches a ball, it is over because his speed, although look, we talk about pro days and 40 times, but the, some guys who don't have that impressive 40 times, you see him on the field absolutely burning people and how they just take it to that next gear. And I think he really has that. And, you know, I, I think they're going to win their division. Sorry, you know, all the other trash in the NFC least. Um, yeah, I, I think this just seals up the division for Washington. I know Dak Prescott's going to be back and he's going to be an absolute beast. And I know, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to be there and Daniel Jones. But this just seems like it's another little weapon for them on offense because their defense is already so strong. I don't think they benefit from drafting a defensive piece. And I don't think they want to go ahead and try and win with a uh, new quarterback. So I think this is just great and maybe buys them another year to look into quarterbacks coming out of next year's draft or potentially grab a free agent to take over from Ryan Fitzpatrick once he inevitably retires at the end of this season. All right, man. Yeah, player that we all really, really love here at the Full-Time Yards College Football Podcast, Rondell Moore, going to the Washington football team. We're going to flip it over back to that trade that we had earlier on with the Detroit Lions going all the way back to 20. Let's bring on Josh uh, for his pick for the Lions. Yeah, no shade this time. Um, <laughs> so, reasons to why I went back to 20, first of all, is didn't need a QB. And at least not this year. You know, you got Goff in, allowing to try out. But Detroit fans, I don't think you're going to have a good season. I think you're not going to have a good season on purpose. And especially if this trade was to ever become reality, you've all of a sudden got three first round picks next season you know that's that's huge um so uh with that we take as to who we see as uh that is definitely not us 
Come on, Tim. Come on. So, uh, Week 8 Terrace, uh, Marshall Jr., wide receiver out of LSU. And we are still not the Colts. There we go. go. (laughs) Yep, so there you go. Um, So, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Lions need a wide receiver. Um, Someone who can stretch out the field. Uh, Someone that can give Jared Goff a little... uh, Jerogoff a bit bit of something different, and he fits the bill quite well. Best player available. Um, and that is uh, it also I'm I'm kind of downplaying this pick, even though it's actually a really solid pick. I mean, he was, you know, the third um the number three ranked nationally coming out of high school. Yeah, he's been thrown about a bit in college, um, but he can play inside and outside. You know, he's got good numbers. He will be a good NFL wide receiver. Definitely worth a first round pick. And I think that the headline for the Lions in this is that you've got so much draft capital next year that you can blow it all in Vegas. And if that doesn't write a headline. <laughs> so all about headlines. First mock draft, I've got to make some headlines. Uh, Lee, if you don't mind, I'm going to quickly, quickly uh, make a point that I I don't like the pick, but I'm I'm sorry, Josh, um, but I will tell you why. I um, I don't rate Marshall that highly, and, and Kieran's aware of that. I'm sure Kieran's uh, swearing away in the background right now. But I think there's a kind of um, the, the, there's a there's a he's basically Kenny Golladay, but not as good for me. So it's like it's you know that sort of outside um, outside guy who's big and tall and, and can win the contested catches. But I think he ha- he's quite a lazy player. I think he has games completely off and there's, there's sort of uh, tape where you watch him and you think, God, this guy should be the first receiver off the board. And then the next game you watch it, doesn't get targeted, doesn't create any separation, doesn't run his routes very, very well, um, quite slow off the line. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sold. I know there's a lot of people that have got him up there as, as a back end of the first sort of guy. I think there's better options in, the, in this receiver class Um but, but I can see why it is a like-for-like replacement for Golladay outside, going to win the win the jump balls. And uh, and if, you know, that, I know that the Lions are a big fan of Golladay and kind of letting go as part of the rebuild. But, yeah, I can see why. I can see why you've gone for that. Just not 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 my favourite pick. Yeah. To be, to be honest, though, it was exactly for that reason. Uh, it was who is the most Golladay-like wide receiver in the draft class. <laughs> and you pick that guy because you want people to associate with the guy that left. The draft is, as much as building up a franchise, it's about giving the fans a story. It's about giving them something to hold on to and being able to say, yeah, we let him go, but also look at what we've got. Plus, we've got a guy just like him, but younger. You know, keeps people tied up to the story. No, no I can say that for sure. Sorry, Lee. No, I was just going to say, as you mentioned, you know, putting bums on seats, you kind of mentioned it when you were talking about the Cleveland pick. It's all about that as well, isn't it? And wide receivers are shiny and they, they, they get people to come into the stadium and watch the football team. So, yeah, I can I can see where you're going with that one. Um, but, yeah, no, we'll take away Josh and we'll replace him with Ed for a pick, uh, a pick who, I, I don't know if it's a surprise anymore. We've had it twice. <laughs> take it away, Ed. This, I, I thought that I, w- I was really planning this whole draft. And when I knew the teams I had, I, I had players in mind. And I never thought that this guy would fall into my lap at 21. But lo and behold, recently we've had two guards taken, a running back, a linebacker, and whatever the hell Gregory Rousseau is. And the sixth best player on my personal board is sitting right here, Christian Darasaur, the second best tackle in this class. 
The Colts need a tackle. Obviously, Anthony Costanzo is gone, and they can stick this guy right next to Quentin Nelson. Job done. I, I don't really know how much I need to talk about this pick other than the fact that I just love Christian Darasaur. I think he is an incredibly talented guy, and I don't see what the problem is with him. You see, uh, in all of the offensive tackles in this class, I can tell you, bar Pene Sewell, what the issue is. Rashawn Slater, rightly or wrongly, arm size. Liam Eikenberg, balance. Samuel Cosby, he's not really filled out his frame. He gets bull rushed a lot. Christian Darasaw, the only thing people talk about is the fact he doesn't finish his blocks hard enough. But I think that's because he doesn't really need to try. All of this time, even if he has the best edge rushers he's faced, he's been at 85-90%. He's just chilling out there, casually dealing with it giving up, I think, six pressures over 2020. I, I think this guy is a slam dunk pick. And honestly, if the Lions took him at seven on draft day, I would say that is a great pick. That's how much I love this guy. And whilst I thought the Colts would probably want to trade down, build some draft capital up after you know trading, uh, trading for Carson Wentz, if this guy is sitting there at 21, Chris Ballard is going to sprint to the Virgil, virtual podium and put this one in. I think this is... This is incredible value. So very happy with this. Yeah, Ed, I completely agree, man. He's he's my OT too as well. Um, he was, like I said, a toss-up for the Chargers pick. I just kind of went for that versatility. I agree with you as well about his kind of lack of finishing. I described him earlier on in the year as a bit more of a doorman rather than a backstreet brawler in, ter in terms of the way he plays. Do you feel like he's going to maybe struggle to step up his aggression when he's going to, like you say, he's, and he's, he's, the fact that he's, like, he's playing at 85 90%, he's going to need to, take that up a notch or two, isn't he, in the NFL? Well, you say that, but I think firstly, as I mentioned, I don't think he needed to be particularly on it. He was just very in control in college. Yeah. And I don't really mind that. You know, it's very nice when we see Tevin Jenkins drive Joseph Asai into the sidelines. <laughs> but actually, I don't mind the fact that he's so in control and he's a good run blocker. And I did have that kind of thing. I was like, I hope he finishes a bit better. I'd like to see a bit more energy, a bit more, you know, just to be a bit more of an asshole, really. That's what I wanted from him. But I actually saw a tweet from, I think it's Lance Zerline, who does stuff for NFL, and he posted a video of Christian Darrisaw putting a defender onto the ground and then falling back down upon him after getting up deliberately just to make an emphasis out of it. I thought, that's my guy. I love that. So, yeah, I, I would like to see him be a bit more violent, but I think that will come with the territory when he goes into the NFL. And I, I see enough from his game to, to comfortably say he can do that. I, and... Even though I just don't think the, the the necessary violence in college is what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is a guy who is very skilled in pass protection, not going to be beaten, obviously beaten any one way, and has the ceiling to be one of the best tackles in the league. And yeah, this is an, this is an easy pick for me. I, I adore Christian Darasaw. I think he's brilliant. Yeah, I think it's a hand-in-glove fit, as you mentioned. It's a slam-dunk pick, especially at the value as well. It's fantastic. So, yeah, another great pick, Ed. Um, we'll look forward to having you back on again for your fourth and final pick a bit later on. And we've got the Tennessee Titans on the clock, and this is Liam. We'll welcome Liam back to make this pick. Hi, guys. All right? Yeah, very good. It's all going very well. Okay, connections. But... A little bit yeah. better. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Connections are a bit better in Tennessee. <laughs> So the Tennessee Titans on the clock, and um, we are going to take uh, offensive tackle. We're taking seven chips at this point. Um, decided uh, on this one because I was uh, front seven. Um, I was thinking about uh, receivers, and then uh, the gap at right tackle um, jumped out at me for Tennessee. And uh, given the run that we've had on tackles in this round, Tevin Jenkins' ability to play right tackle 
it fitted really, really well. And I really, really like the fit um, to slot him in uh, on the right side as that kind of nasty run blocker on an offensive line that is in charge of the, the best running attack uh, in the NFL. Uh, I think, yeah, it was really kind of jumped out at me. And uh, I think Tevin Jenkins is a first rounder. Um, so, uh, yeah, like I say, there's other needs maybe for Tennessee, but I think that they can wait on those. And I think that uh, given the run we've had on tackles, now is the time uh, to go and uh, go and get Tevin Jenkins. You're on mute, Andy, mate. Happens often once. Yeah, oh, good. My bad. Um, I was going to say, mate, have you got a uh, like a first round grade on him, or do you think it's a kind of uh, fits the need sort of thing? Is, is he kind of like obviously he's the last tackle on our board going today? I think so. I mean, do you think he could slip to the second, or do you think it's like you know he'll go in the first if he doesn't go to the Titans? Yeah, it was a. As I say, it was a good fit, but uh, yeah, I think he can get in the first round. And uh, I do have kind of like the first kind of grade on him, um, given the the class and uh, given what, who's already gone. I think that it was the right time, uh, the right kind of area pick-wise to go and get. Um, and then the fact that it was the Titans as well and the gap at right tackle. He's as good a, a right tackle uh, run blocker there is. Uh, at this point. So, uh, yeah, the fit uh, works for me as well. Nice one. Yeah, I like it. Uh, gives Derek Henry a bit more room to play with as well and uh, and they can hopefully uh, wipe Isaiah Wilson from their memory, or I can as well as a, as a three-day Dolphins player. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nice. Let's hope he That's lasts it, a bit longer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah sure, I'm sure he will. Um, but no, we'll bring you back a little bit later on. Um, we'll bring in the New York Giants, sorry, the New York Jets, excuse me. And that's you, Andy. Obviously, you've mentioned before um, about building this offense, and you switched over to defense now after a run on tackles, maybe. Yeah, that's exactly why. Um, I was very much planning to go uh, tackle here, but I will take the best player and one of the most dangerous players in the draft as well, Aziz Ojolari. Um, bit of a kind of late rise, I think you'd agree, Lee. And like you know, a lot of people coming to him late in the year, but hell of a defensive end, uh, really long, athletic, quick, gets after the passer that way. So I think this is the perfect like compliment for Quinn and Williams. I think the Jets will, will have something that isn't that prevalent in the AFC East, actually, and that's like an out-and-out -out dominant pass rusher. Um, you know, you struggle to kind of name the, the, the defensive ends and for most of the teams in, in, the, in that division. So he's going to be a really exciting prospect, only 20 years old, as you can see there, and, and he could grow into be such a beast. I think there's a few raw bits to his game, and, and mate, I'll, I'll flip to you in a second because you're the expert on him, but um, I just I just really like the the combination with Williams. Williams gives you that power and strength to, to push the, 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 the offensive line backwards. Uh, Ojalar is going to go around the outside. He's got the kind of pass rush moves and he's going to get to the quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, another one. I mean, we talked about JC Horn and I mentioned about how I couldn't get enough film and Ojalari was one of these ones I wrote up for the scouting guide. My edge one and it's, it's clear as well in my rankings. I've got a very, very high grade on him compared to the sort of the back end of the sort of second round grade that I've got on everyone else who's in that second glut. I mean, you know, the Rousseau's and the, everyone else in that. You know, Ojalari was head and shoulders above the rest. Like you say, I think it's a great pick for the Jets. I think you've got, like you say, Quinnen in there, and I think you've got, you know, Carl Lawson, who they've brought in. Lawson's obviously that bigger guy who can be that big end, and then you've got Ojalari, who's got all the speed and bend in the world. Like you say, he's not 
the complete player. I did only have a late first round grade on him. It's not like, you know, I'm thinking he should be taken in the top five or top 10. There's not an edge player like that in this draft, unfortunately. Um, but absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't see, I mean, I see a great deal of value in this pick, excuse me. But uh, yeah, like I say, knocking out of the park with this one. And um, yeah, it's a great pick for the Jets. Like I say, making a really scary front seven. They've got a couple of other linebackers in free agency as well. And it's, um, you know, they can pick up a tackle later on. It was going to be better value to take Ojalari at this point, I feel. That's it. And that's why the Dolphins need a tackle. And that's why <laughs> my pick at 18 was probably wrong. But we, were, we, we, we wanted to please the guys, uh, we wanted to please the, the followers. So we're all good. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, bringing Raj back in, I think, with the uh, with the Steelers. Certainly are. Yeah, so uh, Steelers are on the clock. And one thing to say about the Steelers, they're actually a sneaky bad team. That That record last year was a bit of a myth. And as the end of the season proved and um, obviously keeping Big Ben, then they are the third best team in that division. However, they have two glaring needs, offensive tackle and pass rush. And I've gone down the pass rush route because you might as well with Big Ben, he's like a like a, an animal that needs to be put down. So you might as well get Miles Garrett or, or Conair's Campbell to just finish him <laughs> off because he shouldn't be in the league anymore. So, so let's build let's build the defense up with Quitty Pay. I love Quitty Pay. He reminds me of Rashawn Gary, same school, same measurables. Like he's on Bruce Fieldwood's um uh, athletic freak list. He needs time to develop, but there's no better place to play uh, to develop his pass rushing skills than Pittsburgh, playing outside linebacker in a 3-4 scheme, although he did play 4-3 in, in Michigan. Uh, just give him give him a couple of years to develop. Uh, you have Highsmith there currently at opposite TJ Watt, um, but then give him a couple of years to develop, and then you, you're going to see uh, like a, a Rashawn Gary Mark too. That's what I think. That's where I see him uh being at the next level, Rashawn Gary really did step up at the end of last year. Um, the Steelers are in a secret rebuilding job um, where you're picking at 24 is basically obscurity. They could even be in the conversation with Mac Jones, to be honest. But um, yeah, it, it's one of those picks whereby uh, best player available for the needs that they have, which is offensive tackle and pass rush. And you can get some good offensive tackles in the later rounds, the likes of Spencer Brown, Brady Christensen, Walker Little, for example. So I, I think Quitty Pay, put him an outside linebacker, let him develop for a year or two. And then by year two, year three, you'll see that production really shine. Andy, I'm going to let you take this one because we know that I'm not a big fan of Pay and I'm not a big fan of Rashawn Gary. You're comparing him to either. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to try to pick. Where have you got him ranked then, Raj, in terms of like uh, edges or outside linebackers? Is he your like number one guy, or, or is maybe Ojulari, as Lee uh, alluded to, kind of higher in that rank? I have him number three. So obviously, uh, Ojulari is my number one. I have Rousseau as two, and I have uh, Pay as three. Uh, I, I just think that the, his athletic traits, he's an absolute freak in terms of his, his speed and his size. And, and, and I think he just needs that extra bit of coaching to really sort of hone his skills into the next level. But the Steelers, he, he can't have better coaching than being opposite TJ Watt. Um, you are going to have to convert him from a 4-3 defensive end to a 3-4 outside linebacker. But um, I'm a lot higher than Rashawn Gary than Lee is. And um uh, he he, I think he was proving at the back end of last year. Give him, give that Michigan edge rusher a bit of time to um to develop in the NFL. You're gonna see start seeing results. Man, okay, I can get on board with it, man. I like it. Um, I I think um 
you mentioned maybe Matt Jones here. I, I, I quite like that, actually. I think that's given him, would give him a year to develop and that sort of stuff as well. So that would be an interesting selection. But no, I like this and um, kind of at least keeps the Steelers in the running, if, if not kind of, um, you know, building for the next couple of years as well. Um, and Lee, I think I'll do the transition straight into to Raj. You're still here and uh, it's the Jags from the, from the rounds. Yep. So unfortunately you can hear from me again. So uh, yeah, Jags with a um, another pick in the first round. Now it's interesting to note in the last three years, the Jags have gone defense, defense, defense in the further the first round picks with Josh, Al- Josh Allen, uh, Caleb on chase on and CJ Henderson. So this year they're going all offense and why not put Trevor Lawrence with his best mate uh, at Clemson, Travis Etienne. Let's go thunder and lightning in terms of the running back Um uh, stable. We have James Robinson, thousand-yard receiver, who can be the thunder. And then you've got Travis Etienne, lightning fast. Um, production at Clemson says it all. Will will work obviously with Trevor Lawrence. And um, yeah, again in that in that division where you've got Derek Henry and Jonathan Taylor, you need uh, sort of a, a good running game in that division to, to sort of compete with those teams. Obviously, again, I'm discounting Houston. I'm sorry, Houston fans, but. <laughs> You guys aren't very good. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. But actually, they, they did give Miami all those picks. So thank you, Houston, for the for the, <laughs> the presence. However, yeah, again, like like Andy with the running back taking at round one. I think if you've got two two first round picks, you can afford to maybe take a stab and have this luxury. Uh, Jags pick early in, in in round two as well. That there are there is a pop, possible need for offensive tackle um, uh, with Cam Robinson. Is he is he is he good enough? Uh, but yeah, let let let's get the offense high powered. Let's make them scary, and let's put Travis Etienne in the backfield with James Robinson, and uh, let's try and recreate you uh, you know the Saints a few years ago with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Let's try and cre- recreate something similar at Jacksonville. Yeah, I like it, mate. That's a, that's a really good shout again, actually, with Kamara and uh, Ingram. That's a really good comparison. I mean, we've seen a couple of times in this mock draft so far. We've seen Jamar Chase linking back up with Joe Burrow. We've also seen Tua and Devonta Smith. And now we've obviously got Travis Etienne and uh, Trevor Lawrence linking back up again. Do you put a lot of stock in that relationship moving forward, obviously, with linking back up to players that you're familiar with? It's got to mean something. Chemistry takes time to build. And if you've had that chemistry built at college level, and as long as you don't radically change the offense with the offensive coordinator at Jacksonville, trying to base potentially the offense around what they do at Clemson, then it's, it's again a hand-and-glove fit, whereby Etienne and and... Uh, Lawrence should should work hand in hand. They 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 have that chemistry. They know Lawrence has been handing the ball off to to Travis Etienne. Etienne can catch passes out the backfield. Like they they you have that sort of that intuition. Um, whereas if you have uh, a new player from a different college uh, team, for example, you'd need your off season. You need your ro- uh, rookie mini camps. You need your preseason to develop that chemistry. Whereas here. They know they know what they're doing already, and the college tape already proves that they work hand in hand together. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, completely agree. I think it'd be a great pick, and I think the the point that you made earlier on about them being kind of a you know the second pick of the second the second pick of the first round, sorry, being kind of a luxury almost. I can see it. I really like it. But yeah, we'll welcome you back a little bit later on. You've got one more pick to go, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll bring you back later on. We're going to bring the boss back for I think his final pick of the round, and you're on the clock with the Las Vegas Raiders. 
I certainly am. If I can just change my banners. Right, there we go. Cool. Um, yeah, so I've gone for Wayne behind me, couldn't you? There, there you go. Um, <laughs> if you the Raiders, you're on John Gruden. Essentially, all you have to do is tick a couple of boxes. Are you from a big school? Are you from Alabama? Are you from Clemson? Tick. Are you over 300 pounds? Are you a bit of a mentalist? Are you just... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, it's actually it's quite scary to try and get in John Gruden's head. And, you know, that's, that's epitomised by the fact that he tried to get rid of all his linemen and then probably got told by his PA, you know, you probably don't want to do that, so he signed the ball back again or, or whatever he did. I, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, no, I've gone with uh, Landon Dixon, uh, interior offensive lineman. Sit, look, look at that. For, he's a big man. He's six foot six, 326 pounds. That's about three of me, I think, and that's even with a bit of change. Um, <laughs> but I say it comes, it comes out of Alabama, and who knows, John Gruden might try and release his whole offensive line again, and uh, Leonard Dickinson will still be sitting there and be the only one in the room. Um, yeah, again, John, John Gruden and Mike Mayock, they kind of like uh, linemen, and defence obviously is a, is a glaring need after the, kind of last season's performance. Um, addressed a few things in free agency on the offence, obviously, with like Kenyon Drake, and uh, obviously Aguilar's gone uh, from there as well. So, would be, again, wouldn't be surprised if they go wide receiver, but they took rugs last year. And I think that rather than if they take if they take a wide receiver, they'll probably get a bit of heat because they took did take rugs last year. And yeah, whilst it wouldn't be admitting defeat on him and saying that obviously because he struggled in parts, uh, I just don't think I, th- I think there's a more, more glaring need. And uh, yeah, yeah. Again, Alabama, big guy. Uh, tick box, tick box. Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs> they don't need a wide receiver. They got Brian Edwards, and he is coming good. I can assure you of that. Um, I, I like this. It's a really. Uh, I, I really like the kind of the, the player, the style. He's just really aggressive, and yeah. he's gonna. He's just gonna take Screams over. Screams from Gruden. Yeah, it. exactly, exactly. I, I'm I'm surprised to see him go so early, but I, I don't hate it at all. I think um I think to be honest, I would really love him to fall to, to 36 and to the Dolphins if we've gone and got Harris already. Um he's a mauler and yeah, just such a solid guy that, that you can't really go wrong. It's, it's not really a sexy pick, but he's just gonna look really good in the league. Yep. Cool. Lee, anything your side, mate? I mean, I just love Landon Dickerson. I think he's a great, great player, great character as well. So, in cartwheeling across the field, didn't we? When <laughs> Matt Jones is uh, com- uh, not combined to pro day interview. So, yeah, no, can't wait to see him in the league. And a great pick from Tim there. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Took himself away. Um, I think we're coming back to Kieran with the Ravens. Here he Did is. Here he is. Yes. <laughs> Did you miss me, boys? The last time we'll see you, so make it a good one. Yeah, I just checked. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, trust me, it's a good one. Go for it. So, the Baltimore Ravens with their pick, pick a man who plays for the greatest team name, named college team, whatever you want to call it, the <laughs> Minnesota Golden. Gophers, my God, Rashad Bateman, what a wide receiver this guy is. Now, if any of you have watched this, look at that golden helmet. That is just, they really do the chrome really nice up there in Minnesota. So he, you need, you know, some Minnesota (laughs) accent. They kind of sound a bit Canadian. I sounded a little bit Welsh. Maybe I've watched too much Gavin (laughs) and Stacey this week. But Rashad, <laughs> not quite Jamaican. I, I think that might offend my godson, who is actually Jamaican. Um, this <laughs> this just makes a lot of sense for me because Marquise Brown, like not to put a not to put a point on, he's been a bit shit, hasn't he? And uh, 
Lamar Jackson didn't really have a great year last year passing. Obviously got his head kicked off uh, in the playoffs, which, you know, didn't help. Uh, but yeah, they need a guy who's going to go out there and catch balls. And Marquise Brown just ain't cutting the mustard, I'm afraid. So they've got out, gone out there and got themselves a golden gopher in Rashad Bateman. Hopefully we can bring the number zero to the NFL so he can return to his iconic position with that number zero. But that'd be very fun for everyone. Cam Bateman throw uh, has just been put in the private chat. Um, maybe better than Lamar. But as we've seen Lamar in his last few years at Louisville, Louisville he did kind of improve his passing game bit by bit. And, and that shows coachability. And I think Rashad Bateman is the perfect guy to help him get into the swing of things. He said he loves to throw rather than run. Uh, and I think Rashad Bateman's the guy to do it from. He's big. And I know they come out in like a lot of those, you know, two wide receiver sets and everything. When you've got a guy like this, it's pretty much going to make Marquise Brown redundant on this team. Sorry, Marquise Brown. You can go hang out with your cousin in Tampa or something. Um, but yeah, he's a very talented wide receiver, great hands, and he's got those beautiful transitions he needs when he plays on the outside, and he really can turn the Jets on. So I think personally, this this is a no-brainer for the Ravens. They're pretty much complete on all sides of the ball. We saw this last year going into the playoffs, but their biggest downfall has always been having an, has always been having an open man, and Rashad Bateman will give that utility. You know, I know we make jokes about him being a running back. But Lamar Jackson won MVP as a quarterback. That is not easy to do. And he still had 3,000-plus passing yards in that season. A very decent touchdown-to-interception ratio. So I think just adding another guy who can they can put the ball into his hands, potentially stop him having to run out of the pocket and maybe getting banged in the head by a big defender. We saw that happen in the playoffs. So yeah, this just makes perfect sense to me. And of course, he's from Minnesota. So he's a very polite young man. And will fit in well in the NFL. <laughs> Great. Great <stuff. laughs> Feels like a steal there, to be fair. But yeah, yeah, I like, I like it. Yeah, I, I, think, uh, like, I, I think first round's perfect for him. Uh, but there's not much difference uh, in terms of like him and I'd say Marshall. Obviously, there's a couple inches there in height, but you know it's. He's just a good utility receiver who can be used absolutely perfectly. There we go. Put and practice your stand-up stand-up routine, mate. And we'll see you uh, see you next week on the pod. <laughs> absolutely. So it's over to me, isn't it? With the Saints, I've uh, I've gone ahead and I've anticipated a potential problem for the Saints. As we know, somehow every single year they get out of cap trouble. They've got a couple of first-round picks that they had a few years ago. Ryan Ramchick and Marshall Lattimore, who I don't know how they're going to be signed. So, I mean, I'm going to address a need right now, and I'm maybe going to anticipate that they're not going to be able to sign Marshall Lattimore. And I'm going to take Greg Newsom from Northwestern. And, I mean, we've 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 talked about Greg Newsom a lot on the podcast. You know, injuries are a problem, maybe. But the tape is outstanding, isn't it? You know, Kieran Wax is lyrical about this guy. He loves watching him from the scouting guide. And I just think, you know, Patrick Robinson is on this on this chart as cornerback number two opposite Lattimore. You cannot go into that season with Patrick Robinson because people are just not going to throw up Marshall Lattimore. People are just going to go the opposite way and pick on Patrick Robinson. And I've seen it as a Chargers fan a few years ago when we had him. And, you know, Greg Newsom, if he can get his health right, he can he can be a cornerback one. He can, you know, be that Batman to that Robin, as we were just mentioning about Bateman in the group chat just now. 
he can be that guy who is going to take over from Lattimore or if they manage to re-sign him somehow, if Mickey Loomis works his magic again with the salary cap, he can be, this can be a great cornerback duo for the Saints as they move forward into the new era with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Yeah, I, I like it, mate. I think the the kind of about Taysom Hill at quarterback, by the way, let's just let's just <laughs> yourself there. I, that just came through to me. And I mean, like, just look at, <laughs> just get it right. All right. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I um I, I drafted for the Saints in the kind of UK fans mock draft the other day. Um, I I took an edge for them here, but I think um I don't I, I that was because the kind of best cornerbacks had gone off the board. I think cornerback safety mm. and tight end are their huge uh, huge needs, aren't they? And, and Pat Frymouth could be another. Another guy that goes there, but yeah, um, I like Newsom. If he can stay healthy, then yeah, dangerous secondary and and uh, a few picks coming his way from Tom Brady maybe next year. <laughs> let's hope so. Let's hope so. But yeah, let's flip around. Obviously, you're on the clock next with the Packers, and um, again, going corner. Yeah, going corner, uh, going for a bit of a homer pick in uh, Asante Samuel. Uh, obviously, could have gone wide receiver here, say it every year. They refuse to do it every year, so I refuse to do it here. Um, I, I love Samuel. I think he's kind of a bit of a, uh, a more like physical kind of guy. Could you know? I, I always find that he struggles a little bit on the outside. I've said that consistently this year, but I think that kind of playing that that number two corner role, as you just alluded to, um, is is going to suit him down to the ground to start with. He's going to. Um, it's just going to be a, a bit of a slow burn, I think. And I think they've just re-signed Kevin King as well. So that's not like a huge bar to him getting into the team. But I think it would give him a bit of leeway to, to take a few games to to warm up. A bit like the Dolphins did with Noah Iguanogany last year. Um, you know, he's, he took the best calls of 16 games to get up to speed. Could happen with Samuel as well. And I think they've just got a bit of depth there. Uh, take it nice and easy, and and when Samuel fully develops, he can play exactly, you know, like uh, like his dad did, really, like a c- tough competitor. And yeah, I mean, it, he upped his price for the uh, uh, for the cameo for our, our draft guy, didn't he? And, and he and he cost us that. But let's hope it, let's hope it was justified, and he's like one of the big names in the league in a few years. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got like say that inside out versatility. If they've got a couple of guys there that can that can play on the outside, he can be moved around. He can play to his strengths. And uh, yeah, Kieran, absolutely loving the pick in the in the comments there. Good pick. And anyone over that shit out is Kevin <laughs> King. Not a fan of the re-signing there, mate. I'll take it as a Packers fan. But um, yeah, no, I love it. Great pick. And uh, yeah, it was one that I was actually tossing up for the Saints, to be honest with you. Um, and it just decided to go for Greg, Greg Newton the same little bit of a you know coin toss with that one. Nice. Moving on then into the 30s now with the Bills. And we're bringing back Josh. Hello. So, um, best player available, really, at this point. We're getting towards the last stages of the uh, of the first round, and this is another one where, when I looked at it, at what was me coming back home on a bus at about eleven o'clock at night when uh, originally looking at all this, uh, Jason Owe, Edge, Penn State. How on earth is he still there at thirty? Um, quite. Uh, Quite a shot that he fell as far as he did. Quite a few mock drafts of which I've seen him being in has him sort of around the low 20s. Um, you know, I get why. I get why he's as far back as he is here and also in quite a few people's um, quite a few people's guides as well. The fact that he didn't get as many games in college as he should have. And, you know, he doesn't have all the mechanics there yet but his raw talent and his numbers you know the the athleticism is there the ability is definitely there it's just being able to have the patience to 
allow him to come in, take the role, and then dominate in the role. And, um, you know, wow. I mean, the Bills, this is a real position of need as well for the Bills. It's probably their only position of need, really, if you look at their team. So basically, always just fell into their lap. Go on, Lee. You're the, you're the expert. You take that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been saying, and Josh, you might have been alluding to our draft guide where he just slipped down ever so slightly because I wasn't a massive fan of his tape. But I do appreciate completely that after that pro day where he absolutely blew everything out of the way, you know, he's going to be a first-round pick. Someone is going to gamble on that upside, as you've alluded to. And like you say, the Bills, I mean, it's a great spot for him because they've got AJ Panessa, who can be like that big end again, kind of going back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. And then you can have Owe off the edge with his, with his speed and his bend and things like that. And, you know, Jerry Hughes is getting up there in age. So, yeah, I, I like it as a pick. I'm not sold 100% on the player, I've got to be honest. I've got to go back to the draft guide and my evaluation of him. But I think he's a first-round player because someone's going to gamble on that upside. I think Ed's been saying all night, hasn't he, about taking that, chance on that high upside player and just, you know, getting that, reaping that benefit if that comes your way. Yeah. And, the, and, and if you're gambling at 30, that's not that huge of a gamble. No, no, I completely you, agree. You, you, you can forget a gamble at 30. You can't forget a gamble at four. Yeah. 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 GMs leave the jobs, don't they, for, for picking the wrong player at four. I don't think they do often for picking the wrong player at 30. Exactly. Because then you can just blame the board. Like, oh, he was never <laughs> my guy. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but no, great pick there for the Bills. We're going to move on to the Kansas City Chiefs, the beaten Super Bowl team. I just want to get that in there. And we're going to bring up Liam, <laughs> who's on the clock, and I think he's going to bring in one of his guys here. I like that. that you like that they were the beaten Super Bowl champs. Just got to get it in um, there. You know. Yeah. Exactly, I know. Um and uh, we all saw the Super Bowl. The reason that they did lose uh, was because of uh, of O line, and uh, that uh, this is the place that they need to rebuild. And to be fair to them, they've been doing that um, this off season. In a big deal for Joe to seeing them get Kyle Long out of retirement. Um, but I'm giving them uh, Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma. Um, he's the best centre in the the draft for me. And uh, it's a case of the rich getting richer. As far as I'm concerned, his talent is huge. Um, like I say, this is the place that the Kansas City are rebuilding and um, I think it'd be a really good addition. Um, they have recently signed Austin, the Ram center, um, who can also play guard and uh, kind of rotate on the line if they want Humphrey to get uh, starting time straight away, then that's great. Uh, Blythe to be their, their center um, short term, then he's a good guy for Humphrey to learn behind. But um, uh, Humphrey just um, liked the pick, liked the player a lot. And uh, yeah, he's uh, that uh, when you look at the uh, full 10 yard scouting guide, uh, you'll notice uh, the fun fact about him uh, at the bottom that he played t- over 1200 snaps for Oklahoma and gave up zero sack. Um, so he is a guy that is not going to let Patrick Mahomes run around. Uh, for his life too easily and uh, just a huge uh, talent for me and uh, well worth the first round. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm good that you took him here, mate, because that is a, that is a perfect Dolphins peak at 36. So, um, yeah, and, and I completely see why um, Patrick Mahomes is going to be lucky to, to have him blocking for him. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I don't really have any kind of questions. You summed it all up well, but but Lee, any anything else to add there? No, like you say, it's it's a great pick, isn't it? At the end of the first round, a really experienced player, and um, yeah, hand and glove fit. Like you say, Patrick Mahomes needs protecting. Oh, I don't believe I just said that, but um, yeah, he does. And uh, yeah, it's a great pick because he's, he's like you say, he's a great great blocker. And he's got that mean about him as well. A surprisingly good pro day as well. Really good athlete. Yeah, he'll fit right in. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, we'll, we'll move straight on to the Super Bowl champions and we're going to bring back Raj for his final pick of the evening where he's got Tampa Bay Bucks. So, yeah, the GM has brought the gang back. I don't know where they've got the money from. The Glazers have probably nicked it from my team, Man United, and hemorrhaged it back down to Tampa. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that, that's probably how they've done that. However, um, last pick of the first round, Let's go best player available. Let's have a look to see, right, who potentially won't be there next year based on the contracts they signed at free agency. So you're looking at really two positions for me. You're looking at defensive tackle. Uh, obviously, they brought back Sue or linebacker where they brought back Levante David. Um, and for me, I've gone linebacker because the linebacker class is still a, a better class at this stage of the this stage of the first round than the defensive tackle class. I don't think the defensive tackle classes there shouldn't be really be a first round pick there. It's very much sort of second and third. You're going to get some some decent players. So I've gone for Zayvon Collins, six six four two sixty. He him learning behind uh, Levante David. Um, Devin White, that linebacker group is going to be even scarier than it was last year. You saw how good they were in the Super Bowl. Add Zayvon Collins in there with his pass rush ability, his ability to defend the run. He's really explosive off the line. He he he's there's been a lot of comparisons. I know looking over as a Dolphins fan, I would like him at pick 36 to replace Carl Van Noy. I think it'd be absolutely ideal there. But uh, I think here, best pair available. Um, he's, he's a real, real good athlete. Um, I, I just think him learning off those two heavyweight linebackers just makes that position even stronger. And you saw how good that position was last year. Add him to the mix and they're going to be even, even better. Absolutely unreal, mate. Yeah, though him and Devin, Smith, Devin White, sorry, long term, that is absolutely lockdown, both in coverage and you know getting after the passer as well. So yeah, hats off. I mean, you can gamble, can't you, at 32 and you can take a look through a player and that's exactly what you've done here. Fantastic. Exactly. The, the the other option was Christian Barmore, but I just thought, you know what, defensive tackle, like I've said earlier, it's a case of you can get you can pick up a, a good decent one at the end of round two, which I've got number sixty four. So let's let's go for Zayvon Collins. I absolutely love his tape. He was an absolute machine last year at Tulsa. Take him down to Florida, and he's going to be an even bigger machine. Absolutely. Andy, have you got anything to add there on on uh, Zayvon Collins? Yeah, I love him. I think he's been mocked to the Dolphins a lot at 18, which I think is a slight um, jump for me. But, um, you know, great player. And, yeah, really, like, one of these, like, new breed of linebackers who are going to be good at playing the, the pass and the run. And just, you know, game changers, really. I think we saw what Devin White could do in the Super Bowl and side to side and really complementing that that Bucks defence. So same sort of like, player for me. Exactly that. All right, then. So that brings us to the end of the first round. We've just got to bring in three more picks. The three teams that I haven't picked from yet, we're just going to kind of run through kind of who we thought they might pick up at the relevant spots. So we've got the Seattle Seahawks, the LA Rams, and also the Houston Texans, who are waiting for an awful long time into the third round. But um, yeah, great first round there from everyone in the guys. So yeah, thank you for those picks, lads. Um, but I believe we're going to bring back Liam uh, for the Seahawks pick at 56. 
There we go. Welcome to Seattle. <laughs> Finally getting a pick. Tell us all about you've got who you've got we're used to Seattle not, not having a um, well, Kieran's going to like this because we're going with an LSU prospect and one that isn't a, a wide receiver, uh, taking Jabril Cox, uh, the uh, linebacker. Um, had to be a bit realistic, kind of knowing that this is pick 56 and who is still going to be there and uh, who isn't. But uh, I don't think offensive linemen the Atta would be uh, at this pick. But um, it's probably a little bit sad that there's a chance that KJ Wright could be a gap uh, need filling uh, at linebacker for still really really like Jabril Cox and I think that he'll fit right in um, if KJ Wright stays then I think the front seven is still getting tweaked in Seattle and he can be excellent depth or, or find a, a spot along that line um, so yeah I think I'd rush this pick in um, Jabril Cox the linebacker SU into the Seahawks Absolutely, mate. Yeah, really love it. Really love the pick. Um, you know, like you say, Seattle waiting a little bit of time to get on there. But yeah, we'll just whip through these final three picks and we'll take you away. Andy, you're on with the next pick, actually, with the Rams. Yeah, I'm going Jevon Holland, the safety from Oregon. Um, quite a explosive, well-rounded athletic safety. Um, obviously sat the year out, so a little bit of an impact on draft stock, I think. Would have liked to see another year of tape um, to, to go a bit higher up, but plays the ball, he's got good hands and he'll fit in next to Jalen Ramsey, no problem at all in that secondary for the Rams. Yeah, absolutely. One well-known company rating him as one of the best corners recently over the past couple of days, so very interesting from them as a lot of things that come out there are. Not naming any <laughs> names whatsoever um, before we get anyone in trouble, personally myself. <laughs> um, we'll whip straight on. We'll go through to the Houston Texans who I was actually picking for at seven, uh, 67, not quite the 70s. And I went for another cornerback and I went for Truel Williams out of Syracuse. I mean, it's just the sort of thing that the the Houston Texans cornerback room is full of small guys. You know, Vernon Hargreaves, who's better in the slot. Desmond King, who, you know, he's, is he a good player anymore? I'm not really sure. That kind of pains me to say it because he's an ex-charger and one of my favourite players when he was there. And then they've also brought in Bradley Roby as well, who, again, is sub six foot. And you've got to have some big guys. You're going to have some guys that run. I think True Williams is one of those guys. One of this uh, two, you know, this duo at Syracuse with uh, if they are two Melifonwu, and I just think they're both uh, great players. I just don't think I could have just tried taking Melifon with this late on. <laughs> so I went for the other one over at Syracuse, and I picked Trill Williams for the Texans. And, um, yes, yeah, so that wraps up our first round of a bit mock draft that we've got with all the family. Tim doing a great job here with the visuals, and you've got that there. I'm sure we'll tweet this out at the end of all of this. But first of all, before we go, I just want to kind of get in another plug for the um, draft guide that we've got out. Obviously, a lot of the guys who have been on tonight have kind of put towards this as you've got their individuals. So we've got a physical copy and we've also got a digital copy. Um, both great products, both great uh, information in there. Over 240 players scouted from us and the guys. Um, go and get your copy right now. Um, a lot of the takes that you've heard tonight, plus a lot of the takes that you haven't heard as well. So go in, get it ready for draft night. It's three weeks away. And uh, yeah, it goes towards Britball as well. So you're helping funding the next uh, you know, batch of college, uh, college coaches, I wish it was that. Um, <laughs> next batch of Britball coaches. And referees as well. So he's put in the grassroots game in the NFL and uh, the NFL in Britball. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself with the NFL draft. Sorry, it's, it's been two hours. <laughs> it's been two hours. Yeah. So thank you for staying with us. If you have stuck all the way through with us, if not, you know, load it up, watch it bit by bit. You've been great, and everyone here on has been great. Thank you for your comments as well as you've been putting them in, um, and we've read out a few of them on air. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, Andy. Thank you for being a great co-host with me as well and seeing me through this. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the other side, people. So yeah, thanks for listening.